HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. I hope to God this works. <laughs> you didn't update your iOS again, did you? Okay, so I, beloved listeners, etc. I actually. Are you sure it's plural at this point? I, I don't know who's left. It's it's been like weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, you did the interim thing with uh, with uh, Brian David Marshall Sutcliffe, which yeah. was great. I was so jealous. I was just like, oh man, Brian David Marshall Sutcliffe is so good. <laughs> I'm not even going to be on this podcast anymore. It's too good. <laughs> um. But uh, that one was real. If you haven't listened to that one, because I don't know, I didn't tweet about it or something. <laughs> it was good. They talked about limited, and I, I almost cared. <laughs> almost, you know. Anyway, I hope to God this works. So we recorded this insane, awesome podcast where we had awesome coffee, awesome pastries, and talked about nothing but like the Breaking Bad finale. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, and like, trying to nix and stuff coming in. It was like right before you left for the pro tour. Yeah. And I updated my iOS and lost it. <laughs> and so now I actually didn't open the recording software before now, and I'm like, oh, man, oh, this yeah. looks real high-tech looking. <laughs> they, updated the, yeah. they updated the software. So I, I, I don't know. If you're listening to this, I'm going to assume that I didn't lose it. <laughs> yeah, or that it wasn't just found at some point in the distant future yeah. on, you, a, on a far asteroid. Have you done, have you done Marshall's uh, podcast in real life or only on the phone? Uh, I've... I think I've only done it on the phone. So I've done it in real life, and he has like an iPad backup. So he's oh, got yeah. the mic, oh, yeah. and then in case something goes wrong with the mic, he's got the iPad backup. Yeah. Now our level of technological proficiency is quite embarrassing. I'm thinking like maybe I should just have like two iPads <laughs> just next to each other. We have two iPads. Right? I know we, we have the, actually more than two. I could just go into my bag, you could go to yours. <laughs> they actually have the software on them. We've installed it. But no, we're just going to rely on my, my pre-Siri iPad. <laughs> Not even, this isn't have Siri. So, like, uh, one of my friends is like... So she just... So, so Siri's just, like, some jealous girlfriend. She just erases the podcast when you're not... She's like, oh, yeah? Oh, oh, I'm not good enough for you? And she just, like, erases okay, the podcast Literally, I went you? in to update my... <laughs> Do you know why I updated my iOS? Because I... Street Fighter or something? No, to, to play it, it played Infinity Blade 3. But also, I needed to update it so that... I, I didn't know if, uh... If I'd be able to download League Pass on, like, I had, like, I iOS realize, 4. I didn't realize League Pass was that cheap on it's the iOS. It's 50 bucks yeah. for, like, for the whole season. For every team, every, the entire season, every team. Not, like, 50 bucks a month? No. Oh, that's That's really like good. when you're like, oh, I'm not going to League Pass. I'm like, why not? I just assumed it was, like, the baseball or the football ones, which are just, like... It's not even... It's $49. No, I'll probably... But the, the, here's the thing. I, I get to see a lot... You get to see a lot of basketball now. Yeah, I mean, I mean and it's if you have more, pass, it's worth more for you, you get to see all the basketball right, games. I was say it's worth more for you because you're not as interested in seeing the Knicks, for example, and you want to see more Cavs games. Yeah, I mean, but I told you, so I, for those of you who, are, who don't know what the hell we're talking about. Which is everybody. Everybody. Brian put out this thing on his Facebook page. He's like, well, I'm not going to league pass, but if I were, these are the five teams that I like. So I'm like, why aren't you going to league pass? It's like not Netflixing. I did, like, yeah, no, no, like, it's... I, it's likely that I will only pass. Yeah, because fifty dollars for every single NBA. I just assumed it was very expensive. So, like, so he's like, "Well, which five teams yeah. do you follow?" I'm like, "Well, if it's been anything like the last two or three years, I watched the Cavs for the first few games of the season. <laughs> Get depressed. Stop watching the second half of the season, but then watch all I, the like, playoff games. You don't need league pass. Did, did you see how my like my my five teams were like mono sick point guards? 
Uh, I didn't put it together like that. I thought it, I, I was like Steph Curry, yeah, John Ty, Wall, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Um, uh, what's his face? Derek Rose, and you know, Linsanity. Hey man, Shumpert. <laughs> I love him on Shumpert. He cut his hair though. Yeah, I, know. So, I still love him. So, it was, uh, what was my my five teams for the Cavs? Uh, Cavs, Spurs, Clips, Rockets, Warriors. Rockets are going to be tight. Yeah, Rockets are going to be really good. I think the Bulls are going to be really good. Might be. Uh, people, I, a couple of people pointed out that the Pelicans are an actual NBA team this year. <laughs> Named the Pelicans. Named the Pelicans. <laughs> Uh, that may be worth I watching. mean, let's be honest. It's going to be Miami. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, no, obviously, obviously. But you, here's the thing: like, if you ever do it's an league asteroid going to hit Miami, because otherwise, you know, if you ever do league pass and then yeah. you pay for like Miami, you're just throwing like if you're doing it for your five teams, yeah, like you're just throwing money away because you're going to see like so many Miami games just on TV. Just on, on, yeah, there's like three Miami games on TV every week. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't need to see, you know, you really, like, you want to get the teams that are up and coming, like, the Rockets might even be on TV a lot this year, because people know about them, yeah. but, like, I think, like, the Cavs and the Wizards. Well, the Cavs have both, some games, at least. Are, but I'm saying, but the Cavs and the Wizards are both, I think, better than the schedule makers probably realize. Well, I mean, people are saying it's Cavs or Wizards on the eighth spot, right? Like, I think the Cavs are going to be better than people think they're going to be. Yeah. I think they're going to. I gonna... like to think that the Nets are going to be a lot worse than people think they're going to be. I think that if you think that the Nets are substantially better than the Cavs, you probably can't do math. Like, <laughs> just like look at the just look at the lineups. Like, let's see, Kyrie Irving or Jerron Williams? Mm, not close. I, like, I, I, I apparently caused the entire limited resources podcast to spit coffee out of their mouth yeah. when I said Raymond Felton over Jerron Williams on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, fat people over murderers? Like, <laughs> Who do you like better, fat people or murderers? Uh, let's see. No, but seriously, Kyrie, really fat people. Kyrie Irving or Deron Williams? Oh, Kyrie Irving. Not close, right? John Wall or, or Deron Williams? Uh, Steph Curry or Deron Williams? Not, that's not close. Steph Curry's like a top five NBA player. He's the greatest three-point shooter of all time. <laughs> he doesn't miss. <laughs> I, you put, I, I think the Warriors are going to be a team. I love the Warriors. You know who I can't stand? Who? The Nuggets. They're so badly run. They're like the anti-Spurs. You're like, you're like, you think of the Spurs and they're like they're scrappy every year. But like, oh, Spurs are boring. They're too right. good. They're good because they're well right. run. Right. We need to we need to hide the rest of this basketball talk at the end of the podcast. We actually do need to talk about some magic stuff. No, no I'm not. Let me finish my thought. We're gonna we're gonna hide. We'll hide it. We'll come. I back. just want to do just the last starting three hours lineups. of this podcast. We'll starting lineups and then we're done. Okay. Just starting lineups. Okay. So, Kyrie Irving, obviously, over Deron Williams. Okay. Okay. Joe Johnson <laughs> or Dion Waiters. And I don't think Dion Waiters is great or anything. Keep, keep in mind that when I think about, like, the Amari Stoudemire contract. Yeah. Which is terrible. It's no Joe Johnson. I, I'm like, I'm like, well, it could be worse. We could have had several healthy years of Joe Johnson. <laughs> no, please. Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson or... Or Dion Waiters. I don't. I don't actually know. I'm not. I don't know the the full depth of the Cavs lineup. So I don't really know Waiters. Waiters is a second year player. Is Cavs looking fourth? Yeah. He's like. I don't yeah, know. I just haven't seen. Guard. I just haven't seen him play. I mean, like Holland just said, he was the next Dwayne Wade, which. Uh, uh, what do you call so, it? So he flops. Well, Ben Murray was just like that's just the stupidest thing ever. There's only one Dwayne Wade. So anyone like saying that he's like the next Dwayne Wade is like. You know, this is like a dubious claim at best. I mean, 
he's probably not the next. I guess they can't say he's the next Mickey Mantle like they do in baseball. So, but I mean, like, I, I don't know. He's a second year player. Shooting guards are notoriously inefficient. So, but I mean, Joe Johnson's nothing to write home. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. point. All right, so let's go to forwards. Uh, Tristan Thompson. So a young up and freaking coming Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I know. I've seen Tristan Thompson. He play. is. I I told I told you know some of the. Basketball following magicians last year, I thought Tristan might be better than Andy this year. And they were like, no, you're crazy. Andy's just like the most underrated player in the NBA. I mean, not underrated by me, obviously, but you know, just, just consistently thought of as this like no stats all star, best player in the league that nobody recognizes. But I think Tristan might be better this year. Okay. Him or a million year old Kevin Garnett? <laughs> I, mean, I just want Kevin Garnett to like scream from the heart of a fire. So. Yeah, but seriously, Tristan Thompson's going to be sweet. He's, all, he's played so well in preseason. Yeah. All right, so... Cavs have played pretty well in the preseason. Yeah, they, have four, they went 4-2. and two. Yeah. I don't think they ever had a stretch of 4-2 in the last three years. <laughs> uh, and let's see. I don't even know who the Cavs' small is. Some Lake cast-off, probably. Who's, who's, who, who are you matching up against the Brookie monster? Andy. Oh, okay. I mean, Andy versus Lopez isn't even close. I know, bro, 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 apparently, Brookie monster, which is my favorite name for a basketball player in... I, He's the one net I don't hate. First of all, I love him. He has the same Flash <laughs> t-shirt as me. He loves comic books. Yeah, I know. I bet I, I would just be best friends with him if I knew him IRL. Yeah. And he is a center. I'm sure who he can't... would love to sit here and talk about magic with us and drink coffee. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, let's be clear about something. He can't rebound, and he plays center. Well, He's, like, allergic to rebounding. Appa- so Apparently he's been playing. I, I haven't seen any of the Nets preseason. Yeah. But apparently he's playing very, very physical this, this preseason. Okay. And so, and is, like, bounding and, and like, okay. just playing a much more physical game. Put on a, lot, a little weight and just realizes, like, oh, if I go into the gym, I'd be better at this game? Interesting. So, let's see. Supposed two-time All-Star Max Contracts center who can't pull down a rebound versus best rebounder in the NBA. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. I think you're just a lunatic if you I think gotcha. that if you think that the, the Nets are better than the Cavs. If the Nets will probably have a better record at the end of the season relative to the Cavs. So I think the Cavs just kinda of, kinda of want to sneak into the second half of the playoffs or not sure. make it and like, you know, kinda of dip their toes in. They got the Andrew Bynum experiment. They they're got, just, they got they're the, just splitting for for the prize. I, I <laughs> like I don't want to go to the Pro Tour. Just give me the boxes. They're not gonna win the title, right? So the, the problem is like you got the Bynum experiment this year and you also have the <laughs> The Bennett experiment. What was that first pick? We could have taken Victor Oladipo. <laughs> oh my God! All right, enough bad. Okay, yeah. We, all right. Last three hours of the podcast. Ten thirty. Yeah, last three hours of the podcast. All basketball. Basketball. Maybe a little Breaking Bad. That's just Breaking Bad now. <laughs> no, we got. We got there's right. a lot of stuff that's happening. Pro Tour, Grand Prix, yeah. Star City Opens. So first of all, people put this out on Twitter, and um, I didn't like gloat or anything. But we just basically called everything <laughs> from the get-go, just to be clear. <laughs> These are the mechanics that are going to be good. Oh, These are the cards did, that are going to be good. Did, did, did we say Frostborn Weird into Night Vale Spectre into Master of Waves? I mean, like, <laughs> did you personally say, look, I know that, like, Burning Tree Emissary doesn't actually go in any of these decks, but if you just played a bunch on the second turn, <laughs> your deck that was trying to dicks would make you play a monster. <laughs> Do we say during, I mean, remember during the, the reviews, I was like, I actually really like Arbor Colossus. Yeah, 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 I think Ar- it's actually yeah, be one yeah. of the best cards in the no, set. No, I was like, just, just going to say, you, you, that's definitely a card that I was just very dubious about. Yeah. And it just, it had that very, like, one of the most powerful mechanics also in the set, which is GGG. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just want to go back and look at all the reviews, the exact things we were talking about. Um, it's like, they turned out all to be true. Yeah. I mean, 
let's see. We didn't call Packrat. <laughs> we did not call Packrat. That's true. I did personally call, personally call, Reed Duke playing Thassa at the yeah, Pro oh, Tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, Reed Duke will have Thassa no in at the Pro Tour. There's there no way no, this is not happening. There, there was no way that wasn't going to happen. I'm kind of shocked that Patrick didn't end up playing Thassa. Really? Yeah. You're shocked that Patrick didn't go with the team deck? No, no, no. Somebody no, else I'm made saying, it. I'm just saying. Just, I'm just saying. Like, a different elite deck designer saying, like, made the team deck. I'm just saying, like, I'm surprised, like, Patrick didn't end up with some Grixis deck that was only splashing blue for Thassa. Look, I'm just saying. First of all, Patrick and Paul both did a number on that, that Pro deck, Tour. That deck, by the way. Their deck is sweet, regardless of the fact they really did not like go with the team deck. Secretly one of the better decks in the tournament. I don't think it's that big of a secret. Well, Top eight and ninth? Yeah. And Pat, you know Patrick, but, lost. but it's overshadowed. Like it's 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 a workmanlike deck, and it's and it's a deck that you look at it and it doesn't make sense to you on the surface of it. Like, like in, the, in the sense of you're like, oh, it, it feels like it, it, it feels like a, a deck across purposes, right? You like you see the soldier, the pantheon, and you see the precinct captain, and then you see like the hand destruction suite. Wait, so, then, let me ask you a question. You didn't actually read my like uh, top eight review on Star City Premium, did you? No. When I look at that deck, do you know what I see? I see sitting across from Patrick Chapin in the late 90s, early 2000s, grinding out mental magic. So, like, Patrick was so good. At, so, for a long time, I'm like, I'm... I mean, I'm not, say, I, I'm not saying it's a bad he's deck. He's just playing mental magic. Yeah. He's, he's just literally, like, that's the best card at every that's spot the on the ba- That's the spot on the... Like, th- uh, well, there, there's a couple things. First of all, you know, you know what I was going to play at States this year? Because I was going to play Bog Brewitch, right? My Bog Brewitch deck was right. sweet. I had, like, a lot of stuff going on. Grey Merchant of Asphodel, etc. But then you know what happened? I played against a Blood Baron of Viscopa. And I just got smashed right. with my Black-White Bog Brewitch deck. And I was like, oh, I don't know what this will happen. And then, like, over the course of the week going into the... Going to States, I kept losing to, to Blood Baron of Viscopa. So right. I'm like, okay, I can't play this deck. You just can't beat Blood Baron of Viscopa. So, like... Evan Irwin and Cedric actually just hooked me up like a day before states. Like, they got me all these off the books cards that were not on. <laughs> They're all sold out. Yeah. You know. Then like FedExed me like the cards I need. I mean, I went like X and three or whatever. Uh, but it's an interesting story where I was just like, the decks I wanted to play couldn't be Blood Baron of Viscopa. Why don't I just play Blood Baron of Viscopa instead of playing Bogber Witch deck? Actually, why don't I play the red version, black, red, white, because then I can Mizium Mortar somebody else's Blood Baron of Viscopa. Which seems good. And I defeated every kind of deck that I played that wasn't a fellow Desecration Demon deck that had just better anti-fatty stuff. So I had like four heroes downfall, heroes but every, everything else in my downfall. downfall. So, but every other removal in my deck was like fast, like Mizium Mortars, you know, Magma Jet. I, mean, I had like good cards and everything, but I only lost the decks that were like Underworld Cerberus, De, uh, Desecration Demon, and then like a million Underworld, Underworld Cerberus, and then like a million uh, uh, Devour Fleshes. And, like, I cut, if, I cut the last Dreadborn in my deck. It's just so much worse than than. Uh, I mean, actually, Underworld Cerberus is kind of sweet. You can sack it to your Desecration Demon. Hold, hold, hold. I, I, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But like, but they're, they're these decks that just had nothing but fatties, and then like point removal that kills fatties, including, including. Um, uh, Devour Flesh. These cards are just horrible. Devour Flesh is like one of the worst cards. Like Master Waves, Pack Rat. You can't even aim at. You can't even aim at a Blood Baron of Escopa How bad this well, card is. And, but that's what I lost to. And if like three people, times people keep talking about Devour Flesh as a card that somehow kills a god. Like I've heard people say this on multiple occasions. I'm like, what? Like what? what are you, god is what, alone. What? Yeah. What? Is that a 
that way. What devotion do you have at that point? Yeah. Like, where's your devotion coming from? Wait, that, that your, your god, god is online, yeah. but it's not. But it's not one of your other creatures. You know what kills I mean, a god? What's that? You know, kill a god with a bunch of times. Liliana of the Dark Realms. <laughs> oh, nice. She murders the bejesus out of every god on the spot. Anywho, um, yeah. So I just, I don't know. Yeah, Underworld Cerberus is bad. It's really bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like it's just really, really, really bad, or at least weird. Yeah, it's uh, certainly weird. Like. I, I was playing after states like I mean I was like oh well. So when was states? Like two weeks ago. Was it during Dublin? Was it the same weekend as Dublin? I want to say yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean like it was. I mean I I like played really well against like red red deck wins. I played like against you know. This was, was New York State. Yeah. Where was it? Alex's store. Oh okay. Like against like pretty capable players, you know. Uh, Anthony Lowry was there. There's we are now passing the Top 8 Magic Podcast, yeah. the premier Magic Podcast in New York State. Slash Canada. Slash Canada. Yeah. Um, so we got a tour group going by us. It is New York City. Yeah, they're pointing so, at us. So uh, Wearing red hats. They're all wearing red hats. But anyway, I literally only lost to these black red decks that were like Desecration Demon, Dreadbore, Devour. I mean, I played like a fatty deck where I would play like one good guy at a time and yeah, they would yeah, just yeah. kill them. And they had like more creature rules and I had fatties. And then even if I had like Whip of Erebos in my deck, yeah, they just, I don't know, killed me with their Desecration Demon yeah, before yeah. I whipped them out. But I'll tell you something. You know what's sweet? Whip of Erebos... See if you see if, see if you know where I'm going with this. Whip of Erebos, Boros Reckoner. What's the third point? I don't know. Boros Charm. Oh. Infinity Combo. Is it? Why is it? Oh. Life oh, bro. Yeah. Mm. It never came up because I only played against six with Devour Flash. Okay. Anyway, so I'm playing against this dude Ooh, online. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's good. I thought my deck was good. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think that there's probably something to be said for not playing like a bazillion coming to play tap lands. Sure. So like, I was actually really liked my deck because I got to play eight temples. But uh, first round against red deck wins, I scried every turn for so, turn one until the turn I died so and kept my top card every time and lost. So this is something interesting that I want, I want to talk to about. That. Like, like you know, you're talking about red deck wins, which is just like was a deck two weeks ago. Like four and, weeks ago. But, well, whatever it was. It it's was just, the deck, actually. It's just not a deck right now. Yeah, because, like, the black, the black deck's for Rika's cure. Like, the, the black decks just destroy oh, so, it. So before Todd Anderson really took off with this, I was just like, because we, we were talking about this also. I, I, I own all the cards for this because, like, I bought all, like, the package of cards that you could play in all the, all the different decks that were, like, black-based control. Yeah, yeah. I wish I played the deck that I've been, I was playing on Moto afterwards, which is, like, quite different from the deck that did well at the Grand Prix, but it would actually probably be good against it. I was like, Grey Merchant of Asphodel... For actually play corrupt, okay. You know, you said people cut and corrupt. Yeah, that's how I win all my matches. Like, here's the thing that I realized when I was playing against the blue deck: they don't do anything. Like, they just have a million. They draw. Like, you you get you get bashed in the face. They draw four cards. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna concede and go to the next game. And I'm like, wait a second. All right, bash me again. They draw six cards. Like, all right, I'm at I'm at fifteen. Or <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have Farika's cure, or whatever. They bash you again. Draw six cards. Right, cast another. Ma- sliver has yeah, attacked like, me. Cast another master waves. I'm like, all right. Um, 
Nykthos trying to Nyx, corrupt you. Like, yep, take eight. Like, all right, corrupt you again. <laughs> They're like, yep, I'm dead. <laughs> you just, they don't have counterspell. Or like, after boards, you're like, now they decide to negate. Well, and, and, you have, and you have Thoughtseize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just duress them and then, then corrupt them. Their deck can't stop your plan. Like, if your plan is just eight corrupts, so my deck's like eight corrupts, Erebos. Erebos is good against Blood Baron because it makes it so that you can't kill the Blood Baron, but at least he's not demolishing you. And then you, and then you're in a position where you can race him. The problem was when I was playing the Bog Brewitch deck, I would get all the cards that I needed, but just the Blood Baron just outclasses you. I'm, so I'm sorry, I miss, yeah. I misspoke. What I was actually saying though is the aggro decks are gone because of the blue decks and like the red green decks. They actually destroy. Apparently, I, I was talking to Brian Bronjuin. Yeah, and he's just like, you know, his deck just gets destroyed by the one drop. By the one-drop red decks and like the super aggressive, any of the hyper-aggressive white or red decks destroy that deck. Really? Yeah. The one that I made is awesome against those decks. No, he was saying his, he was saying his deck just. Gets... But they don't have four Farika's Cure main, right? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like, like, saying... <laughs> Farika's Cure. <laughs> he was saying his deck gets gets destroyed by that deck, but because of the rise of the of the yeah. big red green and the mono blue decks, they were just preying on those white decks Some and red decks. Some people think they're too good for minus three, minus one. Minus three, minus one? Was that ring flesh? Oh, yeah. Some people think they're too good for that. You know what minus three, minus one does? It makes Master of Waves look really embarrassing. That's pretty sweet. You just draw DI cards with, like, read the... My deck has read the bones and underworld connections. Wait, wait, could you just back up? What did you you say? My deck has... Read the bones? Read the bones. Yeah, I know. You were right. I was wrong. (laughs) But nobody else plays it. They, they don't even play it. Uh, people were playing it at the Pro no, Tour. Brian Brown Dunesack doesn't Oh, no, no, it. I'm saying at the Pro Tour, people were certainly playing it. Yeah, Patrick it. played it. Yeah. I like that card yeah, a lot yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong, by the way. The fact that all the black decks that are performing all cut it means that I was originally right and I'm currently wrong. <laughs> but, I mean, I literally, this is was, this was my curve at, this is my curve at States for China. I'm like, Red Temple, second turn Magma Jet, third turn Read the Bones, like, like... Another magma How lucky jet. that you could cast the read the bones yeah. on turn yeah. three with all your yeah, like, magma jet another man. temple dead. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Fire drinker Seder, I played against it a bunch. Let me tell you about Freak is curing that. You are just too kind. How about how about Mizium Mortars on turn two? I did that twice. Farika's curing, it's pretty fun though. Yeah, I mean, I mean I w- but you, you Farika's cured it. I mean, you, I would Farika's cure anything. I'm saying you vicious hunger to jackal pup in your day, right? I have vicious hunger to first turn Phyrexian negator. <laughs> Want to know what a man does? Like swap that ritual Phyrexian negator. All right, vicious hunger, <laughs> aka jockle hops. <laughs> that was a jockle hops. <laughs> All the permanents yeah. destroy them. Um, so. Yeah, that was a miserable tournament for me, States. Yeah. Yeah, because I spent like $600 in cards or something. Uh, okay, I didn't really spend $600 yeah. in cards. But I bought a lot of I bought a lot of chase rares that were off book, so I'm actually not sure what they charged me for them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they probably took care of me. Evan, Evan, Evan took care of me, I'm sure. Yeah. I just got a FedEx package <laughs> mail the next morning. Like, oh, just in time for me to play in States. Desecration Demon. So Temple, what, what, Temple. Did you Did you like Mahara's deck? Which one is the that, hardest? The deck? Arbor Colossus deck. I, I like it all right. Yeah, yeah, I like it all right. Uh, I feel kind of a little. I mean, this is probably silly, but I feel a little sad that it's a red green deck. Like I, all the other colors are like all one color. Yeah, and yeah. I want it to be like just you want the just green, yeah, you know? just green or just red. No, I mean, but like Camille had the all red deck. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, I just want it to be like complete, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's probably a good deck. We're going to work on the mono-white devotion deck. I mean, here's the problem. How fast do you think we can kill somebody with a mono-white devotion deck? And by how fast, I mean, now that the blue deck has figured out to play Nykthos Shrine to Nyx, actually play it and sideboard it, and so it means they can just get their, their, uh, their Cyclonic Rift online... No, we can we can also what have a cyclonic can, rift. I mean, what what like non-reach based aggro deck could possibly just accumulate enough perms that they're just not annihilated by cyclonic rift? Only another blue deck, right? You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like you just get a bunch of pips in play, and you're like, it could be like turn four, sure. And you just have like all these like random judges, familiars, and nightvale specters in play, and you're like, eh. Nick, those lift up your board, attack, <laughs> like. Like, all right, replay some stuff. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Don't you, care. You also, I mean, the white the, the white deck can also play has easy access to black for Thoughtseize. Yeah, I mean, Thoughtseize versus a deck that draws four cards a turn is yeah. not a fight. Are, are you just really not going to take their Biden because you see because you see they have a Cyclonic Rift? They're yeah. just going to destroy you with one or the other. Sure, sure, sure. You know what's really the worst? Say you don't thought season them, say it's in your hand, and they hit you with Nightvale Spectre or whatever, and they like just use Nykthos trying to Nyx to like, get the black pips required to cast your thought season that they steal. I mean, I'm on your library. Yeah, you know, it's ha- I, I know it's happened. I, it happened at the Pro Tour. <laughs> it's just so filthy. Yeah, it, it's. Yeah, Nightvale, Nightvale Spectre turned out to be, I think, was pr- pretty much the breakout card of that Pro Tour. You know, to me, though, it was obvious Nightvale Spectre was really good from the first time I saw it. Sure. I just It just needed a home, you know? Well, it needed a home, and it needed. I mean, the it, it's that sort of. Like, it's a good card. It's always been a good card. But, like, the fact that it was a good card that gave you either three blue or three black for your devotion just makes it but, so far over the top. I think that one of the problems that Nightfell Spectre had previously was that it's the exact same cost and the exact same stats as Vampire Nighthawk, which is, like, just one of the most strategy-invalidating creatures of all time. Like, think... It's just... Have you ever played decks that just can't beat a Vampire Nighthawk? Sure. Do, do you know what I'm talking sure, about? Sure. Like, Like, you have, like, a mid-range green deck... Like, we're, like, you have, like, a bunch of Thrag Tusks and Hotmaster the Fells, and you literally cannot beat one Vampire sure. Nighthawk. I, like I like to think of it as Baleful Eidolon, but that's the, <laughs> the card that just destroys me in draft. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, if your deck is, like, all Huntmaster the Fells, and your opponent just draws one Vampire Nighthawk, he might just destroy you. Yeah. Like, you can't race him. Like, you can't beat it in combat. Are you kidding me? Did I miss something? <laughs> Did I miss, like, the best? Yes. Is this Why my other phone? It's a restricted number. I'm not going to answer it. I hope it wasn't somebody important. <laughs> Am I night ridering? That sounded like night riding. Usually I don't like to have any of my ringers on because I don't like to be bothered by people. Sure. So, for example... You're you, very hard to get in touch with. You sometimes. often try to call me, right? Yes. Yeah, so there's a reason I don't answer. Because yeah. I don't know you called me. Yeah. Because I don't like to be bothered by people, so I turn off my ringer. Yeah, you have to be attacked from, like, yeah. several different, like, messaging fronts. So It's like text, phone... Twi- Twitter direct message Facebook Gmail Facebook, yeah. all simultaneously yeah so yeah well but the other night I was like babysitting my ki- babysitting my kids is the wrong term as they're my kids yeah uh, I had to come home and my wife went out on Tuesday and she's just like can you please turn your phone on so that if I call you and like you know I'm stabbed in an alley or something you'll know sure. and I'm like oh okay if your kids I- are halfway to becoming Batman yeah so I guess I'll turn my phone on and then I forgot to turn it off yeah um, yeah, we were talking about Night, uh, Night Vale Spectre. 
Yeah, so he's, I think he was just, like, in the wrong room with uh, Vampire Nighthawk for a long time. Sure. But it, I just, I looked at that card when, I, when, we, when we first saw it. I'm just like, I like this card so much more than Dusk Mantle Seer. You know, like, Dusk Mantle Seer and, sure. like, Nightfall Spectre are, like, in the same set. Yeah, yeah, And, like, yeah. Dusk Mantle Seer is the one that's supposed to be, like, the it costs, big hit. It only has two colored pips, right? Yeah, but it's 4-4. Four, four, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a 4-4 four, four bob yeah, flying. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's, like, the splashy one. I'm just like, you know... I just rem- when I first saw Nightfall Spectre, all I did was remember every single time I demolished somebody with Muse Vessel at the Pro Tour. I was just yeah, like, yeah. so patient at playing my Muse Vessels, and I and like you know just let them think that they're gonna win. You know, just like manage time. I just loved playing these games. You know, Brian Weissman was the one who told me to play Muse Vessel, and you know, he sent me an email. He's like, I think you should try this card. Satan had bad luck with Muse Vessel, and I think he was just impatient. I was just like so patient. And I'm like, I really, really like this card. And then it's not even that as at home. It has two homes now, right? right? It's both in the Black Devotion deck and the Blue Devotion deck. And I guess there's the Blue Devotion deck that actually has black cards as well. You know, the one right. that has, like, eight black dual lands or whatever and plays Thoughtseize, etc. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to see Night Vale Spectre. Uh, I, the only thing that would make me happier than seeing Night Vale Spectre successful like this would be maybe seeing Andrew Bynum successful this uh, year. <laughs> that would make me very I, happy. I was very excited to see Frostborn weird. Yeah, you were right. I mean, yeah. like, you know what's really weird? Like, seeing Frostborn weird in, like, a red aggro deck. Yeah. It's just, like, it's, like, such a... <laughs> I want to see it. it is... <laughs> you know, I'm like... It was funny. It saves my opponent. It was funny. Red deck wins the first round. He had, like, Frostborn weird. You know, he pump it sometimes. Okay, I'm not... Can I really lose to this? Like, <laughs> it's different. If you, in, a, in the blue devotion deck, it, it has this job it's doing. Yeah. The red well, devotion and also with deck, Thassa being able to make it unblockable yeah. and then get in for four. And... I just, I, I just didn't really quite buy it. And then, like, I'm playing this like long time management game against him, where I just feel like I'm drawing so many cards, and I'm like in this in this awesome position that like I'm, I set up a bunch of scries with my scry two cards, and I'm like, oh, I'm just so far ahead of him. Although he has access to as many as three Chandra's Phoenixes. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I'm just like, I think I'm going to outlast him no matter what. And then he just like, he's, I guess I got to gamble for it. He's like, shoots me, even though like I have like some active creature that's going to be awesome. And he like, you know, he, he has a, he's at one of those inflection points for a red deck where you have to like, am I going to kill his awesome guy or am I yeah, going like, to go for yeah. you? So he like bolts me, you know, like rebuys his like Chandra's Phoenixes. Online's like all three Chandra's Phoenixes and then activates Perforos to attack me. And all my entire math is like, all right, I can take two from that Chandra's Phoenix. All right, he rebought that Chandra's Phoenix. I'm going to take two. He doesn't know that I'm holding like two for uh, Farika's Cures, you know. Oh. I'm going to live through this. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that guy could attack. Because <laughs> like once he has all three Phoenixes oh, yeah. in and, play. And you're taking two every time he plays a Phoenix. Yeah. So he bolts me to set up the Phoenix, gets two with it when he plays a Phoenix, gets two when he plays the other Phoenix, gets six pips worth of Phoenixes in play, and, and, and then he, you know, and then he has like this thing, should I attack with everything? Do I leave one guy back? So he actually just makes the wrong decision. So, you know, we played out the games. Uh, he does this, doesn't kill me. Um, like, I, I have just, just enough removal to not die to his. I think I had to actually chump block his, his Perforos with my Desecration Demon, which is awful. Okay. You know, like, um, uh, but which is like, now the fact that he left one of his Phoenixes back is bad. You know, like, because he actually needed that two points to kill me the next turn. I ended up in a chump block. But then, like, I just, like, uh, I think I rebought um, uh, Ghost Council with uh, with Whip of Erebos, which is just unbeatable oh, if you're yeah, red. Yeah. Like, just like rip whip of Erebus, but it's not really rip because I set it up with my like with uh, all my sure. scries and I'm sure, like sure. rebuy this. It's like a nine point swing. I'm like, can you kill me on my upkeep? It's <laughs> <was> like nope. <laughs> like Woo. probably should attack with the last Chandra's <laughs> Phoenix. Then <laughs> it was super tight, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, that was like the match I won. <laughs> <laughs> I won more than one match. I did not, however, defeat any decks that had both Desecration Demon and Devour Flesh. It just feels so bad losing to Devour Flesh. Yeah. They just have like all these the cards that I cut from my deck, like Devour Fleshes and Dreadbores and just like, like... And somewhere, they're doing a podcast right now. Yeah. Going, People told us these cards were bad, but we just crushed Michael J at States with them. I mean, like, the guy, he's like, he has, like, the, the underworld ceremony. He like, kills three of my guys, right? And I rip whip of Erebos. And, like, I have, like, three guys in my graveyard, okay? With a whip. <laughs> I can't, I can't target the, the guys with my whip because of his underworld Cerberus. <laughs> and I just can't pull removal either, you know? It sounds like Devour Flesh and Underworld Cerberus are awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, because <laughs> you spend the first five turns of the game killing the other guy's guys. <gasps> whoop, 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 underworld Cerberus. And I'm like, are you kidding me? My deck is full. Like, I could just pull a Desecration of him and block this, you know? Or his deck's, like, straight black-red. You know, I actually think that my Blood Baron Nabiscopa could get in here. You know, underworld Cerberus 6-5, right? Like, yeah. I have a good ma- I-, I have a very livable matchup between his Underworld Cerberus with all my guys in the graveyard and... <laughs> And a ghost council of Orzova, yeah. you know, like any of these things will make me happy. Nope. J- the classic Josh Rabbits, all lands. All lands. <laughs> what, what do you What do you think of the deck that uh, Jake Van Lunen and Brian Braun Druin played, doing played at uh, the Pro Tour? That junk, just like the junk mid range deck with Reaper of the Wilds. Um, you know, I don't, actually don't know the deck. Yeah, I think Reaper of the Wilds might be underrated. Yeah, I mean, it was it's important. Like, so like. Um, He's Aetherling Jr., so, basically. So Brian, Brian went 7-3 and three in standard with the deck. Is that pretty good? It's pretty good. Like, you know, if he'd gone, you know, 5-1 and one in, in limited, that's top 16, you know. Um, How'd Jake do? Jake was playing for top 8 in the second to last round and lost to Chapin in the last round, playing for an invite to Valencia. Oh, and Chapin was merciless, right? Chapin was merciless, yeah. Chapin, Chapin finished ninth. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the word that the thing that's the BS is, right, is like at the end of day one, Johnny Magic's X and one, and he's in third place on his team. <laughs> he's yeah, the yeah, third yeah. third highest rated uh, Star City Games guy, and he beat Chapin in the last round, like, which is a, a huge matchup in favor of Chapin's deck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if Chapin just wins that round, he probably would have had his, what, his fifth, his sixth, third, top, his fifth, yeah. top eight. Uh, it's interesting. I would have never thought in a deck with access to such good removal as Black White has access to that the actual answer card to Thassa and other gods is Banisher Priest. Now, obviously, you can banish it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want to—that's not intuitive to me, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like, oh yeah, we should go Banisher Banish, Priest. Banisher Priest is pretty nice. I think a card that's really nice right now is Fiendslayer Paladin. You think? It's bad against the blue decks, right? It's no, like no, but, but but I feel like but I feel like everyone like maybe not a main deck card, but like all these decks that are running Dreadbores and Doomblades. No, and that's only people who beat me at states. The real decks. The, well, what, what about what about the the deck that just won the Grand Prix? They didn't have a single Dreadbore anywhere. Well, near whatever. That they deck. didn't have a Dreadbore, but they had they certainly had Heroes Downfall. And they yeah, that card's had, sweet. I was wrong about. I mean, I, I thought it would be playable, but it's right. actually awesome. Yeah, it's just, I think it's, I really. It's just such a, it's just such a multitasker. Yeah, I just underrated, like, I underrated how reliant the white decks would be on Elspeth. Yeah. Like, Elspeth yeah, yeah. doesn't seem to be I like... didn't really, I would say, I would say of the things that we called, Elspeth was not one of them. 
it, it, it's it a, just seems seem so, like a good card. It to just me. seems so expensive. Yeah. It pro and it doesn't do very much. But the clock of the like, I mean, the games just go longer. I mean, this is this this has happened to me like six times. Where like I have a fatty, my opponent plays an Elsbeth, and then just like levels down Elsbeth to kill my fatty, like a six mana edict. And then I just kill their Elspeth with my small guy. <laughs> it's now small. And I'm like, all right, attack it with Mutable. <laughs> like, yeah, it's dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, was that really such a great use of... Well, that's why, I mean, that's one of the reasons Mutable was such a key card, right? Is, like, being able to kill... Elspeth. Like, Elspeth and other Planeswalkers. Um, or, like, whatever small... Like, you know, uh, Lifebane Zombie. Or, like, you could just play a whip and then, like, yeah. whip up the to kill the Elspeth. I, I think my favorite thing out of the Pro Tour was all the tribal synergies with Mutavault that came out. Yeah? So, like, the Swedish mono-blue deck was running Gal Rider Slivers. And, as like, they ran 12 one-drops. They ran Cloudfoot Raptor, uh, Judge's Familiar, and Gal Rider Sliver. And so, like, your Gal Rider Sliver made your Mutavault fly. fly. sure. But, and then the, um, the Blue Danube deck, like the, the, uh, Czechoslovakian Slovak Republic deck, version of that deck was running, like, Welkin Turns, and, but... <laughs> was Welkin Turn the one that we said was, like, so good, <laughs> like, it just invalidates all the other creatures, it's so good? <laughs> They actually ran it? Yeah, they actually ran <laughs> it. They must have listened to the podcast. Like, oh, this one's really good. It's, well, it's, cause it, well, here's the thing, though. You it's can play, a, like, eight. It's an, ele- <laughs> it's an elemental. Yeah? So it gets a bonus. It got a bonus from... The master from Master of Waves, yeah. And so does so does so beautiful. Oh, that's hot. so. It was just a nice. There were some nice little like tribal synergies going on there in in uh, with the Mutavault. That I just I just can't believe that that blue deck is going to have legs for for. I, I think well, it's one of those things that's like certainly something a lot of people have suggested. I I gotta tell you, I think the place that that blue deck might thrive is in modern. See, modern's different, right? Yeah. So, like I, I was thinking about like, can you picture that same deck? You have more like, but with way better one drops. You have like way better one drops and way better two drops. Like and, and you have Aether Vial. Oh, I like it. Like you, you can, can vial out Thassa. You can vial out Thassa. Oh you my can, goodness! You can vial out Master there, of Waves there, and have. Uh, is there a PTQ? Can I, I can go back to PTQing. <laughs> you can vial out Master Waves and have Cryptic Command mana up. We just play. F- you could just like play first turn Nykthos trying to Nyx off and then run an Aether Vial there? Yeah. Oh my god, we are such a dick. Like, you're just like, you're just stoned a dick if you play this deck. Don't. Deck seems awesome. But Insectile Aberration has zero pips, right? Insectile Aberration has zero pips. I guess I'll just have to live with that. Yeah, yeah. But, so what uh, guys would we play? Well, you still get to play Trick Binder Mage. Or Tidebinder Mage. Which he's actually good in that he's form. He's actually just like, oh, oh, is that a Tarmogoyf? Sit. Yeah, like, because in, in standard, every single time somebody plays a Tidebinder Mage against me, it's just a bear. It, like, it was, it was surprising. It was surprisingly good. Like, even in the blue mat- matchup, like, the Green Red Jack just kills it with Domri Rad. So I was just talking, it was good in the blue mirror because it was tapping down the Frostborn weird. <laughs> Like, yeah, it was very weird just, who got to play first. Yeah. Would depend on who got to you lock just down. choose to draw. What? You're right. It's great and modern. Dude, top eight magic listeners, write this one down. I think, I think Brian David Marshall is right. I think it's really good. Like, I mean, you have Coral Home Commander if you want it. You have, like, other, like, I think, I, I mean, I think that the stupid uh, Nightfall Spectre is still pretty good. Why is he stupid? And, I mean, you know. No, no, he's probably not good enough for modern. Like, probably you, you can't have that many threes, right? Sure. Like, I think we're going to go, we're going to have to go the Delver of Secrets route, but I think there's a lot of leg here. I mean, you could play some, like, ridiculous threes, actually, like, um, which is the one that's, uh, that's Simic Simic 1, Ophidian Island Walk. 
Oh. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, I have that. What's his Cold name? Cold Eye Selkie. Yeah, he's probably unbeatable in the mirror. That's, although he gets tapped by Tidebinder Mage. That's <laughs> but I think he's probably, like, I would, he seems like a four of sideboard card for yeah. this strategy in modern. Yeah. If you're viling, I mean, you just cast him, like. Yeah, the other thing, the other, the other thing that I've been thinking about in modern a lot is just some, some sort of heroic deck with. She's got to get off the heroics. With Phyrexian mana. Why is that remotely better than poison with Phyrexian mana? I don't know. The heroics like are just half as good as poison. I don't know. <laughs> so, like, so if you want to go, if you want to, you just want to join the caucus of half like, as good stuff. I just like heroics. The poison guys cost one or two mana. <laughs> The heroic guys cost yeah, two or more them. mana. We can kill those. All right, fine. The poison guys kill twice as fast. Fine. The heroic guys are more expensive, use more colors, and kill half as fast. Fine. The poison guys are green. The heroic guys are blue. Sold. <laughs> no, but I mean, so here's the thing. Do you think that blue deck is going to have substantial legs against Birthing Pod is the question. That's really the question. Uh, it's a good question. And I mean, then can we... none of the go-to two-for-ones actually work in this deck, which is weird, right? Like you think, actually, Delver's Secret stinks in this deck. I don't. I, I was. I was. I was just letting Delver sit there for a while. Yeah, like, he actually stinks because you don't have a lot of. No, all so, the go-to's you... stink, right? Like Augurabolus stinks. Snapcaster Mage stinks. Which guys are we going? I mean, you actually, you just have to go you're, with the Merfolk. You're going. Boards. You're going with a Merfolk deck. Yeah, you're building a Merfolk deck. Yeah, this is actually. I mean, are there one-drop merfolks we would want to play? Are we actually just judges familiaring? Still? We could just judges familiar. I mean, I can't. We could we could right. gal rider sliver. We could, you know, I'm sure there's. We have to. We'd have to look stuff up, which we can't do right now. I mean, Cuffin Raptor. Did you, by the way, do you admire Marshall's unwillingness to look stuff up when I did the podcast with him? He like he bought in. There was like some stuff we had questions about, and he was like, "Yeah, we can't look anything up." Oh, did you see my tweet the day before Marshall's thing was over? I was just like, "We're one." Don't be Roddy from like hitting the forty thousand mark, and then like somebody. What's that? Marshall hit the forty thousand mark on his thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He like hit his last level. I'm yeah. really proud of him. Yeah. Really super proud of him. I think like, you know, I look, I look proudly on on that one. Yeah. He's a uh, he's really. I, I like it whenever some. Boom! I knew it. That guy just ran into that car. <laughs> I like how you were going to be all good-hearted for a second. You had, like, sweet Mike voice yeah. on, and then you're like, ah, ah! eat the car, Fender bend it. Ah. Look, let's see how far he Bend drew, it like Fender. He drove, drove so far away from that car. He's like, oh, I didn't hit that car. Look how far away my car is. Yeah, he's like, so funny. Oh, now his girlfriend's like, maybe we should go look at Left the whole car length in between them yeah. so someone else could park in there and take She's the like, she's going to look at the car. She's sort of going to look at the car. She's kind of sideways looking at the car. She's like, oh, man, I'm going to go too we, close. Should we, should we yell, like, hey, did you hit my car? <laughs> you do it, do it. No, Say, no, no, hey, did you hit my car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could definitely take that guy. He's... <laughs> I mean, like, I don't say that lightly, but that guy, me and him, he would be staining my shoes right now if, if we rumbled. Uh, I would, first I mean, of all, he didn't even hit that car that hard, so. <laughs> he had a car to hit it with. I would splash him in the face with coffee to disorient. <laughs> like, ah, scalding coffee, and then, boom, to the jewels. <laughs> That's how we fight. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, imagine... <laughs> 
Yeah, so I like your blue deck idea. I have to figure out what one drops to play. Right. Aether Vial's a one drop, though. So. Aether Vial's a one drop. Delver uh, stinks. Why didn't you stop me earlier? I don't know. I mean, like, maybe we just don't flip it. <laughs> like, is it if we don't it, flip it, it's just worse than everything else you can play. Sure. I mean, right, maybe we just play Cloudfin Raptor. That can't be right. Cloudfin Raptor's pretty good in this deck. I mean... We have to have some... We have, like, insane support cards, though. What if we were just, like, Aether Vial level, 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 like, and just remand somebody? Yeah. Spell Snare them? Spell Snare, remand, and Cryptic Command. Wait, doesn't... Like, what do you call it? A... Birthing Pod has to cast something, right? They don't just start leveling. They have to cast Birthing Pod. Or they have to cast, like, their combo... Their, their, you know, like, their their Court of Calling or their combo finisher... I mean, we can also just bounce things. Yeah, I think if we just had like what's the, what, what, eight what's the, tempo counter spells, we just destroy them. What, Our deck's so fast. Yeah, and what's the card? What's the card that's like uh, bounce something or kick it and then draw a card? Well, our card we love. I can't think of the name of it all of a sudden. It's two mana, bounce something, or two mana and two more kicker. Into the royal. Into the royal. You just into the royal that stuff. I love into the royal. It's a good man. Yeah. Uh, I think you. I think you're onto something. I think this is. This might be better than all roads leading to, to Nyctos, <laughs> calling long balling Arbor Colossus. I think so. we did a good job. Arbor Colossus is the one I'm proud of. That yeah, was, yeah, no, that was, that was really a good. good. Call. That was really good. I, it's not a card I look at and I just see. Yeah, uh, just like, this card just beats up Desecration. First of all, I realized I always liked Desecration Demon. When that bad, first how, came out, I'm like, I love this card. Yeah. And then nobody played it for a year, and now everybody's playing it. Right. And I looked at, at the at the Arbor Colossus. I'm like. This guy just craps on Desecration Demon and a bunch of other good creatures, yeah. right? He just, like, fights Stormbreath Dragon. He just, like, everything. And he's just fearless, right? He just, like, comes out there. Yeah. And then there we go, oh, Devour Flesh, your Elvish Your, voyage, your Voyaging Seder. Voyaging Seder? Not, not a card we, we predicted. Well, yeah, I mean, Voyaging Seder is just, like, just like some whatever crappy else. idiot. Yeah. But, like, when you're, when you're playing with Nykthos, obviously it's got some texts, finally. Are you looking something up? I'm not looking something up. I am. There's some new cards. There's new cards? Well, there's commander cards. Is there a new set? There's a commander set with 51 new cards in it. So, now, most of them are not going to be legacy playable. Are we going to go through this now? We're not going to go through the whole thing, but there's a couple of cards. Uh, Active Authority. So right. <laughs> Looks like we're going to go through this. No, we're not going to go through them. There's a couple of cards. I just want to, like... All right. There's one card in particular I want to ask How do you I not know that this set? Because I don't, I don't pay attention. You to don't pay attention things. to Commander, but Commander, remember, Commander gave us... Um, scavenging scavenging ooze. ooze. And whatever the red card is that... There was, well, like, um, this Counterspell. There's, like, a blue Counterspell from Commander, and there's, like, a red... No, the other one that really matters is the uh, Shardless Agent, right? And Shardless Agent. So it gave us, like, four cards. So it's, like, this could be, you know, they could be relevant cards. I mean, like, Active Authority is one WW for an enchantment that when it enters the battlefield, you can exile target artifact or enchantment. Then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile target artifact or enchantment. So you get two, but then... The controller gains control of active authority. Yeah, so. there's there's one line too many on that card. <laughs> not interested in me. Well, actually, no. I mean, it's fine, right? Like, you could just do it once, but that's not the card. Uh, there's a bunch of these. Like, something like Darksteel Mutation certainly seems like... One in a white for enchant aura. Enchant creature. It's a zero-one insect with indestructible and loses all their abilities. Why would I ever play this? Like, I don't know. Like, can you catch a Gristlebrand? Probably not. They're just going to draw seven yeah. in response. Right. I like this guy. I like Serene Master. Oh, he, I like I like where he's going with this Serene Master. Serene Master, one W for a zero-two human monk. 
And whenever Serene Master blocks, exchange its power and the power of target creature it's blocking until end of turn. So your Tarmoglyph becomes an O, whatever. And he becomes like a five. And he becomes a five, but he still doesn't kill the Tarmoglyph because Tarmoglyph is one tougher than its power. <laughs> Actually, like... But, I mean, he, kill, he he blocks a lot of other... Like, stylistically, he's cool. Yeah. But you're assuming that there's going to be creature yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I... I'm not actually assuming that. If I win the lottery, I will be rich. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, unexpectedly absent is a card. Me, probably not. It's not good enough. Uh, well, I thought you had some cards. Well, hold on. There is uh, a spe- spe- specific card that. How about this card? True name nemesis. One UU creature Merfolk Rouge. Three one. Yeah. As True Name Nemesis enters the battlefield, choose a player. True Name Nemesis is protection from the color from, from the chosen player. This creature can't be blocked, targeted, dealt damage, or enchanted by anything controlled by that player. <laughs> you could wrath it, right? You could wrath it. That's about it, right? That's about it. You can't block it? Correct. What if it blocks one of their guys? Is it it can't be dealt damage? Correct. This is just the greatest card ever. <laughs> Wait, am I wrong? No. This is just the greatest blue combat creature of all... Can I play this in modern? No. Only in legacy. This is actually... This is like a serious <laughs> card, right? Yeah, I know. This is like literally progenitus for yes. three? Yes. I mean, I guess they don't think of it a, a three, three power blue creature is dangerous? Is that... Like, but, like, imagine the same Merfolk deck. Like, Merfolk's a deck in Legacy. Imagine the same deck we're talking about. Like, with this, you could Ether Vile this into play. You could, you know, it's not counterable if you do it that way. And it, it can't be countered? It can be countered, but if you Ether Vile it into play, they, you know, there's a very, very specific set of cards that can stop that from happening. And nobody counters target spells. Yeah. It's not done. Yeah. It's not done. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting card. I really? I mean, it's not. I don't. You don't look at it. and You're like, oh yeah. Oh, but in, I guess in Commander, like, let's say I'm playing against you and Billy and right. Luis. Like, I'm the true name nemesis, Brian, and like Luis is like, yeah, I'm gonna kill your true name nemesis. Or I'm gonna not. And I'm gonna let you attack Billy with it. Yeah. Okay. This is. Uh, uh, you know, there's cards like Baleful Force that are just not very exciting. Um, there's another card in particular that uh, I really like. Oh, this, this is actually kind of an interesting card here. From the Ashes. So, R3, Sorcery. Destroy all non-basic lands. I like where this is starting. For each land destroyed this way, its controller may search his or her library for a basic land card and put it on the battlefield. And then each player who searches library shuffles it. So, so against have, a lot of decks in Legacy, this is just Armageddon for but them. But if, if you have, like, either basic lands in your deck or, like, a combo of, like, non-basics and basics, you can get some value out of it. Sure. Or what if, what if you had, like... What if you had um, Flagstones of Trocare? Is that list, like, draw four? <laughs> I think, you, like, I think you actually just get to draw four. <laughs> yeah, this card seems like it could be... I don't I don't know what... No, I think it's boss, yeah. Yeah. But the card that I really, really like... I think that card might have some legs, yeah. Is, uh... Here, this is the card Restore, G1, Sorcery. Put target land card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So it's like rampant growth from the bin? Yeah, but from either bin. Oh. 
So you can get their wasteland. You can get your ba- or your own wasteland. You can be like wasteland. Get my wasteland back. Wasteland. You can be like fetchland. Get my fetchland back, or you can get their fetchland and activate their fetchland. Yeah, this is an interesting card. Or you can go like so. Like, no, but if you get their fetchland, like you might not be able to fetch with it. Well, I mean. It's legacy. I'm sure you can. Yeah, you can't. Like, if you're playing like blue white and you get like a black red fetch land, you cannot. Sure, fetch sure, sure. But I'm saying you wouldn't. You wouldn't get it if you couldn't get something. Yeah, but I'm saying like you could be in a matchup where you could not get sure, anything. Sure. I guess if you're playing a G1, you probably wouldn't or, be playing blue white. Or you could be playing a deck with like like some elves combo deck with yeah. four Gaius cradles, and you're like you're like you know you have a cradle in play. You play it. You tap play a it. Second cradle. You tap it. You play a second cradle. Sack you the tap first it. Cradle. You sack the first cradle. You tap it. You play this. You get. Your first cradle back because if you have you're tapping two cradles, you don't have enough mana. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. No, I think I think this card is interesting. Right. I like. I can see this card being played, and that, that was kind of all I really saw. That like you you one card is like what, yeah, true name right. nemesis. That one might be a card. Yeah, and then there's a lot of like commanders, uh, a lot of commanders that are all expensive and do things that uh, that if you're going to play a 50 turn game might happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sidri, Galvanic Genius. What is she like, an 80s goth character? Yeah, it's Therese Nielsen. So, uh, you know, probably a, a fine car, but I, nothing you're going to see in Legacy. So, What's Surveyor Scope? That looks like it costs enough that I might. Two mana, Exile, Surveyor Scope, search your library for up to X basic land, where X is the number of players who control at least two more lands than you. Probably not very good in Magic the Gathering. In, in, in heads up Magic the Gathering. Well, if you're mono screwed, this can get you back, right? Like, <laughs> well, it gets like, you. It gets you one land. No, if you're mono screwed in a group game. Yeah, if you're mono screwed in a group game, this card's <laughs> insane. You could like mana screw yourself. Ooh, Opal Pelas. So it's a this, land. This is a land that actually does nothing in Legacy because it requires it. It, re- it makes one colorless in Legacy because <laughs> it references your commander's color identity. Okay, so that one's not going to be in Legacy. Yeah, that's it. All right. So, so there's like there's like two or three cards. Um. So what? So the. I don't know if this is going to go up in time to answer this question interestingly, but what do you think is going to happen in Star City Invitational this weekend? So this is like Jerry Thompson's swan song tournament. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's... He's top eight of the last five Invitationals, I want to say, with the same deck every single yeah. time, right? What is what is he? Dredge or something? No, blue, white, red. Oh, okay. Every single, I, think, I think he's top eight of the last five. He's like, same deck every time. So consistent, but not the, but not the same deck, right? Like I mean, Jerry's yeah. Jerry's a Jerry's one of the, the 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 dial turners, you know. Did is dial never turned away from three Sphinx's revelation and three Snapcaster mages? Sure. How about that? <laughs> it might have turned towards. I saw like him, a, I saw him saying on Facebook today that he wanted to play Dredge and Legacy. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, his, his, so how, what's what's the format? What's the format for? The invitation legacy and standard, right? And so you have to play X rounds of standard and X rounds of legacy. It's sort of like a pro. Well, it's, it's a two day split. Split. So right. you play. Uh, I played in the last one. Uh, I'm not. Are you edit- not playing this weekend? No, it's an indie. Oh, so uh, you can go. Yeah, I'm not going. Okay. Um, I might go to the Vegas one. Yeah. Because like hanging out with Josh and Taya last month, and they were like, "Oh, come to Indy," and I'm like, "I don't know." Like, I have like a limited number of trips I can tolerate sure. doing. Sure. Like, if I'm not doing super well in a magic tournament, I get grumpy now. Because like before, I'd be like, "I'm so passionate about like just I don't know playing and you know not doing well." Even yeah, yeah. Find something. But now I'm like, like if I'm not doing well, I'm just like want to go home and hang out with my kids or something, sure. which sure. is probably a disadvantage to my killer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I think I might go to the Vegas one in December. Okay. Actually. 
I don't know how that overlaps. I'm going to Hawaii in December. Oh, humble brags. Uh, it wasn't really a brag. Well, it's a humble brag. Okay. Because you're like, I don't know if I can go to the Invitational I'm because going I'm going to Hawaii. That is actually a humble brag. I mean, I guess this, I, I now realize this is the kind of thing Chris Pakula always says. So, <laughs> so it's just, it's not even that it's uh, not a brag, it's not humble. Oh my God, what a heartbreaker, Chris Pakula. Yeah, he put some points on the board. Yeah, yeah, no, he did put some points Proved on the board. Proof that he deserved to be yeah, there. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. But now, you know, like, he doesn't have another invite in pocket, though. You know, like, yeah. he's got to he's gotta get these points at Grand Prix, which is maybe he, maybe really hard. Or win a PTQ. Or win a PTQ. Winning a PTQ is not yeah, that tough. Have you seen the size of some of these PTQs? I mean, I don't know. I've won a 200-person PTQ before. I don't think it's that tough. Okay. I mean, I haven't... I mean, I... Let me, speak, I, I, let me speak for the majority of our listeners yes. and say, it's pretty tough. I am sure. I talked to Pakula I mean, about this. Yeah. I said, you give me 50, you give either of us 50 weekends, okay? Like, we actually care. We're on the Pro Tour inside of 50 weekends. I, there's just no way. There's no... It doesn't even fathom in my mind that I could play 50 weekends and not win a PTQ. I, I, I feel reasonably certain that if I played in every limited PTQ I could get to in a year, yeah. I could probably win one. But, I mean... It's a lot of magic. No, I'm just of, saying, like, obviously, I'm not I'm in a position in my life right yeah, now yeah, that yeah, I can commit weekends, 50 yeah. weekends yeah, to playing yeah. PTQs. Because if I'm going to play in magic tournaments, I actually like to play in the Star City events more because I'm qualified for all the events <laughs> and the payoffs are equivalent to the Pro Tour on, on a per-person level, right? Like, the the if, I, if you play in an Invitational, it's the same payout as a Pro Tour relative to how many competitors there are. Okay. It's insane. How many competitors are there? Not that many. Like, okay. maybe... Like, it's like uh, Kibler said. It's like over three hundred dollars per player, which is okay. better than a pro tour, right? Sure, sure. So like, and I'm automatically qualified for them. So it's a highly like if I get to pick, right? Right. I, I, so it's not a, it's not a better purse. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, if yeah, you win, yeah, it's yeah. only like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, something. yeah. I mean, only. Right? Only, right? I know. Yeah. But like, it's, damn it, I should have saved my win for the forty thousand dollars on the purse. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, you know, if you if you're if you're going to do that, like, or I'll play in a Grand Prix. We're just a lot of the time because uh, you know, my friends are all going to the same Grand Prix. Like, I'll go do that. Like, you right, know, I played yeah, in yeah. a couple Grand Prix last year. But like, just like drudging out PTQs that are far away. When they used to have four PTQs per season in New York City. Yeah, yeah. I would gladly play in all of them. Yep. But if I got to rent a car to go to Connecticut or. No, not even just rent a car, but deal with the politics. Oh my of god! Renting, paying for. Yeah, it's just... and uh, uh, you know, was it this difficult when we were younger to get to, to go to a PTQ? Has it just? Has it just? It's Brian, just I'm like some weird. I don't think it was hard to qualify for the pro tour. <laughs> And I mean, I want PTQs in all different cities. Detroit, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. Like, not just in New York. I've only, I think the only PTQ I've ever... Actually, no, that's not true. I've won a ton of PTQs in New York. Now that I think about it, I've won more PTQs in New York we than any other We won a PTQ in New York together. together. Yeah. And then I'm like, that year I won three PTQs in New York. I'm just saying, that's what I'm, in one year I won three I PTQs think, in PTQs, one city. I think, but I think PTQs are a lot harder right now. Yeah, I agree. They're probably harder. But if you gave me 50 weekends, I just don't understand how I couldn't string right. together some not getting mana screwed right. a couple of times. Let me ask you a question. Yeah? A serious question. Do you feel like you could break down what it takes to win a PTQ and, like, where we could just talk our listeners through an upcoming constructed PTQ season? So, and No, no, I'm serious. I'm not saying, like, right now. But I'm saying, like... As we come up to the next PTQ sure, season. Possible, possibly. Even a limited. I've actually won more limited PTQs than constructed PTQs, which yeah. most people don't know. Um, 
But the the most important thing, and I keep saying if you give me 50 weekends, is perseverance. Sure. Okay? If you have a 75 or 78% win percentage, you are, well, I mean, which you don't have. <laughs> no one listening to this has a 78% win percentage. Okay. I'm saying if you have a 78% win percentage, you are not favored to make top eight. Okay. Right. Mathematically, you're not. You're barely favored to win two rounds in a row. Okay. Right. So, the only way that you can, if if you're a player who can win three out of four rounds, you have to play a bunch of consecutive tournaments in order to. Mathem- like you won't even insure it, but right. to mathematically put yourself in a position where you have a high chance of qualifying, okay? No, I very doubtful that anyone listening to this actually has a seventy-eight percent win percentage. I mean, there's not that many people not listening to this who have a seventy-eight percent win percentage. There's nobody who has a seventy-eight percent win percentage anymore, right? John's John's fell off. I mean, like I think that like maybe Kai or Hat. Might- I assume that if you let the likes of John and Kai and LSV play in PTQs. That they would have an eighty percent win percentage in PTQs, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like I mean, when when Satan and I did my record, which is years ago, it was this was like six years ago. So I'm sure it's not the case anymore. But my win percentage in PTQs and at amateur, I mean, obviously it's by definition amateur level, was like one out of five. Like if I played five PTQs, I would just win one, right. which is like mathematically improbable, even if you have that that really that that high of a win percentage. But like. It can't be that improbable because I'm not I'm not even that good relative to our group of friends. There's people who have won way more PTQs than me, right? right? Like the the uh, and I mean I'm bad player for it. <laughs> I just I just don't think if you gave me 50 weekends, perseverance is the most important thing. So don't get discouraged. Keep grinding, right. and that's how you win PTQs. Sure. So I, I do want to say so I've, yeah. I've talked to Steve about this a little bit. It's his birthday today. Happy it is birthday, his birthday. Steve. Happy birthday, Steve. Although by the time you get this, it'll be late. Uh, but I, I, I took him out for a bistro burger last night for his birthday. I know you texted me and you're I like, know. "Hey, do you want to have a birthday burger?" And I'm like, "I'm not saying." And you're like, "Oops." <laughs> <laughs> um, is Steve? Steve has said he would actually commit to like doing like a semi-weekly contribution to such a project, where, like a PTQ, like just like. Just something where we, we actually just like maybe even take some listener feedback, like some listener questions, and like just and just like try to get some, just try to get some of the people, some faithful listeners, like try to get at least one of the two of them qualified. So I, I think about it like this: if you look at certain seasons, for example, the team PTQ season where uh, Paul Paul Sade and I qualified on the second weekend, right? Sure. But we followed the format super tight, right? right. We did a lot of podcasting back then. One of the things I really love about that season was how spot on I personally was at, at picking the metagame trends. Right. You know, like, because we really cared, like, a lot. I mean, especially for a team that qualified immediately, we was, like, really, really cared about these are the trends, these are the configurations you should play. And that was such a, and that was such a, it was weird for that format because it was so, like, the knowledge of that format was so submerged. Like, like. You think? Yeah, I do. Like, I don't think it was as apparent as. Because it was teams, right? I mean, I would just look at configurations, and you're like, every single team that's going to be successful has a steam vent stack, right? right like right. you have to. Right. It's um, it's just going to happen for you. It's like one of the assumptions that we make. You're going to have a steam vent. There stack. will be, but there will be no team PTQs this year. No, I'm just I'm saying like it's going to be a steam vent stack. We look around. So we chose Vor for our steam vent stack for a variety of reasons. Right. Even though we, we play Vor and. Uh, Vor and Harpy. Also because Steve loved Vor. No, Steve loved Vor because I assigned him Vor. Oh, okay. okay. He did not get a pick. I was like, we're playing a Vor deck. 
would you like, I said, Steve, would you like the complicated mid-range green deck or the Vore deck? And he said, the Vore deck, I'm not going to play the stupid mid-range green deck. All right, so, um, so every, every successful team has a, has a, has a, has a Steam Vents deck, right? You just look around the room, it's like, like, there's this declination of how bad your decision is on your Steam Vents deck. Like, Tron was so bad, uh, for, for the PTQ season, it was, like, atrocious. It, like, never put up wins. Like, you could get some people would make top eight with Tron, but you were just, it was just an utter waste of your, of your steam vents and sometimes your wildfires, which were, right. you know, the best sorcery you could play in the, in the format, in this, and then you'd be like, all right. Then you had the gamblers, right? So the gamblers had an owling mine. <laughs> but if you just, like, laid out the decks, like, like you could get a two-thirds win percentage on... On just playing Vore, right? The Vore deck is an advantage against two of the decks across the table. You should always play it. Like, the Tron deck might have no good matchups, depending on your opponent's configuration. Right. And like, and people are just like, oh, why did you play Tron? Like, I like Tron. <laughs> like, but that's it's the reason, teams. It's that's, not a, it's like, that's the reason people play a lot of decks, though. Right? Yeah, but like, it's different. If you're, if you're beat down, Benny, and you're playing individual magic, and you're a master of Tron, yeah. that's okay. One of the things that's interesting about the thing is, like, the deck that we were on before the PTQ season was Blue-Red Tron. That was the deck that we fielded in, in Honolulu. Right. So only undefeated player in day one was Osip. We put a player in the top eight. Tons, really good performance on our version of Tron. But it was wrong for the PTQ season. That deck was horrible against Zoo. <laughs> it's like you had no cards that interacted with the 3-3 three, three for two. Like, it's irresponsible. And then, like, there were decks with, like, knights and dresses and, like, they could just take your key card. It's just like it's just like you're playing the black decks in standard today. Thoughtseize is the highest variance card in the format. It either takes garbage or it annihilates your opponent. Like, and, and you're in this position where the, the, your defenses aren't that good. All right, so, so I just want to switch switch yeah. just away from teams for a second and onto like modern Current, format yep. with Thoughtseize. Yep. How Thoughtseize seems like it's like the defining card right now of the standard format. I hate it personally. I do too. I do too. Like, I don't. I don't like the card. Like, you, I mean, it's so, a good card. No, no, it's, it's amazing. So, but what? What do you do? You have to play like just like sort of like garbagey uniform like cards to like so, beat a Thoughtseize. You know, here's the thing about about the black deck, right? It's it's two things that are with two and a half things really that are really interesting with with regards to this deck and specifically with regards to this deck's relationship to Thoughtseize. Number one, it plays Thoughtseize, okay? Right. But here's the thing. The deck's hyper redundant. So you could take one of its cards, it probably has a replacement. Right. That does the same thing more or less. And the deck is full of underworld connections, whip of Erebos, Erebos himself, possibly read the bones. Thoughtseize is actually really bad against this strategy. Because at the end of the day, all you're doing is trading one for one and taking two. Sure. They're just going to draw three cards, right? Like, it's actually horrible. Right. And, and, I mean, you still got to play it because it could take, like, one of their high-variance cards. Right. But think about, like, the top eight matchup between between uh, Brian Brondoon and, and Brad Nelson. Brad Thoughtseize is Brian, and he can take Pack Rat or Underworld Connections. You know, what would you take in that spot? I think that's what that's what Brad did, and Brondoon just destroyed him. Sure. So like, you just wait until you have like five or you know, but yeah, five know, or seven mana, and then play Pack Rat. Go. What are you gonna do? Yeah. You it, do you do you think about doing the math where like you don't you just hold your Pack Rat for sure. a long time I mean, and then wait till you have seven cards in hand and then play Pack Rat with like two underworld connections in play. Oh. Good luck losing. Your opponent could have seven removal cards in oh, hand but, and not kill your pack. By, by the way, that's another one of the tribal synergies 
Immutavolts. Immutavolts yeah. are rat. So like it, it, it bumps all your pack rats. You see what I'm saying? Like they could have, they, you could be playing this Drago sandbag game and they yeah, have yeah. seven removal cards in hand. It's possible, right? Sure. And you're like, all right, wait until I have seven is po- cards. Is it possible you could just? I'm a- then I'm like, all right, end of your turn, draw two cards with Underworld Connection, untap pack rat, go. Like land pack rat, go. Right. Like what are you gonna do? Uh, all right, tear your pack rat. Like all right. Make a pack rat response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, tear that. All right, make a pack rat. <laughs> like, like, we can keep going. <laughs> By the way, I have two underworld connections untapped. Like, <laughs> it's, like, insane. Uh, it, it, it's so good in that deck because it has, like, the one-for-one trading ability with the... With the, uh, with all the spot removal of the yeah. format. Yeah. Like, th- that deck has a huge vulnerability, though. It's actually bad against swarms, right? Think about how good Cyclonic Rift is against these pack rat strategies. Oh, well, I mean, that was that was the best card. Yeah. See, this is, once again, it comes to bite Wizards on the ass. That they didn't make Street Sweeper kill all rats when it came into play. <laughs> because, like, or just bounce all rats. Street Sweeper should have bounced all rats. <laughs> so, you have this... Uh, uh, Flavor you, fail. You have this uh, this card. I mean, sorry, this this deck that's full of removal, and then for, it's kind of like a necropotence. I, I would I would categorize it from traditional archetypes as necropotence, sure. where you have an exterior card drawing engine that fuels a bunch of one for ones. Sure. Someone someone just wrote an article where they I, Melissa Detora. Yeah. Just wrote an article. She just compared them on a black deck. She just it's like just necropotence, right? She she's like this is necropotence. This is order of the ebon hand. This is. Yeah. So, you know. so basically, when you have this kind of... Well, remember, the old Necropotence deck had Nevenral's disc. Yeah. So if you're not dead to the rats in one turn, you can at least pop the disc. But in this case, you could, you just keep drawing one-for-one removals, and they can outlast you. Because they're, now they're trading their excess swamp for your removal card. Like, that's like... Mm. You, have, you have, like, what's the sum total of removal cards you could possibly have? 20? Right. They have an infinite number. I mean, whatever. 59 possible, possible uh, pack rats, though. Something like that. So, how, how do you how do you think the standard's going to react to? I like the winning deck from Louisville this week. Like just Esper. Yeah, like I black, think it's Esper. Esper, yeah. black, white. Esper is so well positioned, or maybe blue, white, red. Um, what like, blue, white? Oh, blue. You also get yeah, it's the same just as Esper. Like, just like blue, white axe. Yeah, I think I think Esper's really well positioned uh, in particular because the. The black deck has precious few responses to Blood Baron of Viscopa. They just like, which you just cited for Blood Baron of Viscopa. They only have a maximum number of four Devour Fleshes. Sure. So even if they even if they had four Devour Fleshes in their deck every sideboarding, which is unclear that they would, <laughs> okay? Like, oh, I'm playing against a creatureless deck with Elsbeth. Hmm, I'm going to play Devour Flesh, right? Yeah. Like, just, it's just not intuitive. But you have. They don't actually have an answer to four... And you, and you also get to sequence your deck in such a way, like, you could be like, yeah. Elspeth, make some tokens, Blood Baron... Uh, uh, by the way, we're playing Esper, right? So yeah. how about on, like, turn five, or sorry, excuse me, on turn three or four, I just thought seize you. Yeah. <laughs> thought seize your, yeah. your Devour Flesh. Yeah. Untap Blood Baron of Viscopa. Sure. You're dead. Yeah. There's a... They have to race you. Have you ever tried racing a Blood Baron of Viscopa with a Grey Merchant of Asphodel? Because I have. <laughs> Don't work out very well. By the way, you get the right Sphinx's Revelation online. He just goes ten ten. <laughs> like, right. oh, by the way, I'm ten ten. Thanks for all the thought seizing and underworld underworld connections and and uh, and read the bones you've been doing. You could also get him to go ten ten in your if you played Grey Merchant with him. And Not really. You can right, but like yeah. think you're, they're like oh thought seize, read the bones, underworld connections. Like they might be like oh I'm playing against Esper. My life total yeah, doesn't matter that much. Yeah, but yeah. you get one or two hits in with with the Blood Baron. Yeah. And you're just like all right, end of your turn. Sphinx's Revelation. I'm on thirty. <laughs> You're like, oh boy, that's a one-turn clock. 
I hope I drew all I drew all the devour fleshes while you were tapped out. Yeah, I think Esper is well positioned, but it, I think I think Esper, the standard version of Esper that people are playing with, like Elspeth, like maybe is a mess against Red Aggro. I was just gonna say this. This all feels to me Red Aggro like people are gonna be fire drinking. They're you know and. Rakdos cackling is just like no way that deck's good. Dude, oh man, you know, you, know, you know when that deck's good? Whenever someone says there's no way that deck's good, I don't think that deck's good, right? I, but like, like, are you gonna have four Freakus cures in your side in your main deck this week? If I were the black deck, I would play four Freakus cures. It kills Master of Waves. Okay. It kills Mutavault. Sure. It kills Pack. I mean, sometimes people just gun a Pack Rat. Very M appeal there. Yeah, you give a good view. You always trick me. Oh my god, she's gorgeous. Yeah. She <laughs> zip up Emma Peel Katsu. You don't even have to say zip up Emma Peel. It's implied when you say Emma Peel. Yeah, well, I was just... The peeling is part of it. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I think Farika's Cure is really good. Yeah. I mean, it, surprise, surprise, I think Freak is here is really good. It's just really it's, it's interesting like, to me. It's way better than the card that no, I used to play. It's interesting to me that the black deck has so many just weapons and is, like, so... Like, I feel like that, you know, you, you were saying, like, I don't think the blue deck's going to be here for a while. Yeah. Like, I feel like the black deck can stick around for a while because it can just adjust its... Oh, I agree. And, like, is it that hard for that deck to add red and just play, like, I, a that's actually what, return? No, that's not even what I was going to say. I was, if I were going to play, this is what I... I'd play the black-red version with, uh, with uh, Chandra. So you're like, Underworld Connections versus Chandra. They do the same thing. <laughs> one of them's way better than the other one. Instead of tinging me, I'm tinging you. Right. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, Chandra, Underworld Connections. And then, we get, look at the upgrade you get on your guys. Like, Storm Breath Dragon. Oh, interesting. Like, I mean, Wait. I don't know. Storm Breath Dragon, pretty hard to kill. Sure. Storm Breath Dragon. Uh, now, let's look at this. Blood Baron of Viscopa. <laughs> Storm Breath Dragon. Sure. <laughs> Blood Baron of Viscopa. Mizium Mortars. Pack Rat. Can't you, Anger of the Gods. Can't you just make the red green deck work? Yeah, but then the red black deck gets all the angles on the black deck. Sure. You get literally every single angle. So we're just we're just back to deem like uh Week Week Demons One Jackie Lee. No, no, no. <laughs> well that was the deck that was the deck that uh it was it was top sixteen. It was like Lucas Tchaikovsky. Oh no. Demons and Dragons. Or Chris and other Chris and uh, yeah. the uh, uh, oh, yeah, Trap B deck. team played. Uh, yeah, yeah, they played, played deck, yeah. I would have probably played Magma Jet. But you, you look and it's like you know all the all the problems Magma that didn't kill anything. All the problems that the black deck has with like sweeping, anger of the gods and Mizium Mortars take care of. Mizium Mortars takes care of Blood Baron of Viscopa. Sure. Like Chandra is a really freaking good underworld connections. Yeah. No, I agree with and that. And you know what the best card is in the mid-range black decks? Heads up. The number one best card. I, I, I started to and I had one on my sideboard. Probably should have played four. Hands down, you know what the best one is? Rakdos Keyrune. <laughs> Neither deck's doing no, anything. I, I saw Chris doing hard work with Rakdos Keyrune at the Pro Tour. Yeah, you just play third turn Rakdos Keyrune and go. What are they going to play? Yeah, he did He did some hard work with that card. You play th- Rakdos Keyrune, the next turn is like... Obsidat, Blood Baron, Storm Breath Dragon, whatever insane five drop you have, your opponent right. is now tapping out for his two three flyer, and you have like an insane five drop. So, two weeks from now, Vintage Legacy Championships Eternal Weekend. I was thinking about going. There's a PTQ on Sunday. Oh, is it? But it's limited, right? Ah, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but I'm not prepared for limited. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, I could spend the next I can't, two weeks. I can't, I can't go. I'm having, a, I'm having an anniversary thing. But Wasn't your anniversary last week? Yeah, but we're, my family's coming in and... Oh, call, by the way. What? Call. Call? You said your Facebook post is just like, every day since I got married is better than any day before. Call. It is. I was pretty sad before I got married. All right. I would just... I'm going to put... I'm going to posit two days that I know you've had. Okay? Yeah. The day that you had to leave the Pro Tour because... You're, you're, uh, the person above you hired an unlicensed illegal plumber, <laughs> <laughs> and you thought that your book collection was destroyed. But it wasn't, so that oh, ended that, up that, being that, really that, good. Oh, when you were calling me from the airport, you oh, didn't know that. Oh. Okay. I thought my book collection, comic collection, and magic cards <laughs> were all destroyed. Like, all you knew was Carla was sobbing, and you had to come home from the yeah, pro yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah, Call me from the airport, right? Was I... Was I on the coverage crew that week? Because it was neither of us then. I was on, I was on that year, but I don't know if I went to the pro tour. I don't think you tour. were at that pro tour, yeah. So you're like, oh my god, I gotta come home. Okay, so that, was that great, day, that was, that was half of that day wasn't very good. Versus any of the days when you had two girls in like <laughs> in in junior high school that you were like trying to confess to the local priest slash <laughs> slash uh, slash guidance counselor. Like now, Brian, I, I really can't help you if you're gonna keep making these stories up. <laughs> Call, <laughs> call. Hey, uh, I was I was trying to fill a fill a vast empty hole in my soul back then. Uh, and everyone everyone now is like, oh man, I thought I thought medium was cool, but now it's yeah. <laughs> call. <laughs> BDM is a liar. Uh, That's the title of this podcast. BDM. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I I mean I've been known to. Um, the guy counselor says, "Oh Brian, <laughs> how am I supposed to help you? Keep making stories up." <laughs> No one does this in real life, Brian. <laughs> Look, I wasn't a very happy kid, but I kept myself occupied. Um, I'm just saying, any of those days... All right, all right, all right. The day that you thought that your apartment flooded. Listen, on your 20th wedding anniversary, yeah. you're not literal. It's a, it's a day for metaphor. I'm getting there. I've been married... What year is it? 2013? I've been married 11 years now. Huh? So, but anyway, the point is, I was saying about the Vintage Eternal Weekend. How about this on Sunday? Are you gonna, if you're not there, are you going to be listening when Randy Bueller and Chris Pakula are doing the commentary? For what site? For Wizards. Really? Yeah. Maybe I'll I don't, wait, is it this weekend? No, it's next week. It's the next weekend. I think I, I think I probably have some kid thing I have to do. <laughs> Randy Bueller, Philly, right? Randy Bueller and Chris Pakula doing commentary together. I'm doing commentary again with Randy at Grand Prix Albuquerque. When are we doing it? I don't know. We gotta work this out. We gotta call Greg. I did call Greg. All right, we'll follow up. I'll, I'll send Am him I on the blacklist. No, no, you're not on the blacklist. Is James right. Spader coming yeah. after me? Have you? Do you watch the blacklist? It's good. I like it. She's really good. You think? Yeah, I think she's really good. I really like her. But you know who's really good is the guy who plays like the FBI guy who was on. He used to be on Homeland. Or he, or maybe he's still on Homeland. I don't know. I haven't got. I just started watching. The guy who's like jealous of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good. He's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, I like that show. I, I was I surprised. Like it. I didn't good. think I was going to like it at all. I mean, I saw like some early promo for it, and they're like, "Red Reddington keeps up." I'm like, "Red Reddington, go f yourself." I'm not watching this show. To you. 
Name a show that James Spader's been on in like the last half decade that didn't turn mono awesome right after he came on. <laughs> like the practice was dying, and they're like, mm, "We're going to take all the salaries, cut everyone, and just hire James Spader." He was very good on those. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't really watch uh, private practice or whatever. Uh, yeah, Boston League. Boston League. Neither did I. Yeah, but I it was apparently it. was awesome because yeah. everyone like who I knew watched it liked it. I just I, William Shatner's kind of like bacon. You know, he's just kind of overdone to me. He like, was overdone at the time. No, he no. was like that was his comeback tour. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, it was just Priceline commercials for him. <laughs> um, what, what else have you been watching? This, have you been watching Sons of Anarchy this season? Of course I've been watching Sons of It's the only show that I watch on the day that it comes out. Yeah, it's been insane. What about that last scene with Tara? She, she did, that didn't play yeah, well, out the yeah, way she thought it was Spoilers, happen, right? yeah. Who cares? <laughs> An hour 18 in. If you're still here and you're not warned... <laughs> Can just log off now, but they're like, I'm not logging off. This is too good. I want to hear about Brian David Marshall at age 13 some more. Um, First of all, I was like 16. But okay. <laughs> anyway, um, are you Hello Ladies? Have you watched this one? I haven't watched that show. Oh. Is it good? <laughs> Tony Sai hates it because okay. he says it's about guys like us. <laughs> okay. Like it's it's so the the it's like these like nerdy guys who are good at computers or whatever trying to pick That's up women. Not me. <laughs> Trying to pick up women and being bad at it, <laughs> like it. I see a little of myself. Oh yeah. From young, it's pretty. I mean, actually, um, I think we were trying to discuss this when I was younger. I got, once I realized that um, you know girls don't like it when guys are like helplessly nice. Yeah. Then um, you know, stop being hard. <laughs> but it was like it was really hard for a while. I guess not for all of us. You know, not for you at yeah. age sixteen. Yeah. Guidance counselor, priest. <laughs> uh. Agents of Shield. I've only seen the first two or three episodes. I watch it with Clark. He, it's like his favorite. Yeah, I, I only watch it for the. Oh, it, I don't. I don't. It's not like the Legend of Korra. I watch. Oh yeah, it's so good. Uh, yeah, I really need to. I really need to watch this. Legend of Korra. I mean, it's actually nowhere near as good as season one, which is not really meant to be denigrating. Season one, Legend of Korra was like. I would say it, it might be heretical of me to say this was about as good as season two of Young Justice. Okay, it's insane. You, if you're not crying in episode ten okay. of season one, okay. you don't have a heart. Okay. Is it on Netflix? No, it might be on Amazon. Though. All right, I'll look. It's so good. Is it on Hulu? No. Okay. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to know Avatar: The Last Airbender. I actually have not watched most of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Don't tell anyone because I pretend like I've seen them. Yeah, all. I know. I know. I need to. I need um, to watch but, those also. But I mean, I've seen a lot of Avatar. Yeah. But I've, I mean, I've seen every episode of Legend of Korra season one two or three times. It's insane good. Yeah. It's like combo of like martial arts, magic, like multiculturalism, uh, other things that don't start with an M. <laughs> And it, it, the thing that's funny is, like, Catherine says, it, it's cool there's this female protagonist who's athletic, superhero-ish, and she's completely fully clothed. <laughs> there's just nothing sexual about her at all. Awesome. And she's cute or whatever. Right. But, like, like one of the... She's, can, not, she's not wearing, like, boob-fitting armor? No, she just, like, has pants on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think she's, like, her people are from, like, the South Pole, so she, like, she's dressed like an Inuit, kind of. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, so, one of, like, the conceits is, like, the people in their, their world who have powers, like... Like, there, like there's like a pro wrestling or whatever so sometimes she's just like fighting other people with powers in the ring and it's it's really entertaining um, it's really good yeah no I, it's definitely it's definitely on my uh, listen, I just got around to Homeland so. how did you not back me up when I was when I told PJ to read Mistborn oh I'm sorry people were like people are like oh just read this and it's always like name books I've never heard of that are probably not very good I, 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 or like I the PJ you, wouldn't like I gotta that. tell you the, the quality of the books I recommended was very high and no one's read any of them, I'm sure. No, I mean, I have you ever read, you you should you should actually read Slam by Lewis Shiner and anyone out there. It's one of my favorite What's it books. A boot? 
it's, it's how so, a Canadian yeah, that up. L- so Louis Shiner was a science fiction writer from Texas, yeah. from the sort of uh, Philip K. Dick school. It's like him, Tim Powers, James Blaylock, K.W. Jeter, like this kind of like 80s uh, science fiction uh, paperback original group. Like it's kind of like slightly under the, under the radar writers. He uh, stopped writing science fiction and just started writing whatever he wants. So he's more in the Jonathan Lethem, Kurt Vonnegut vein as his career progressed. Yeah. And Slam is his first like non-science fiction book. And it's about a guy who gets out of prison and has been in prison for a little while and like has to learn how to use a computer. And it's the most cyberpunk book I've ever read because it's actually about like empowerment and about like your own kind of like authority over the world around you and it's fantastic it's just a fantastic little book it's little yeah it's it's pretty short but i mean it's it's just amazing you, have you read mongoliad yet i have not you're the one who told me to read it. i know i have not read it He's yet. like oh neil stevenson woke up one day and said i'm gonna write a book about sword fighting <laughs> how fast could i download that book the world's greatest writer in the english language decides he just wants to write about sword fighting for yeah. a few years well, let me tell you something about Mongolia. Oh, you should, you, There's an F-load of sword fighting. Yeah, Different to, kinds of swords. You, you like Dresden Files, right? I've read them all, yeah. Okay, you need to read the Collector series by Chris F. Hall. So it's just... It's basically a guy who is... Is the like, show notes this week just going to be books that Brian says for people to read? Yes! So it's basically... This, I would say to email me the list, but I'm not going to read the email. There's, there's three, it's three books that he's written so far. He's written a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Three books in this series, and it's just about this guy who collect, who harvests souls. Oh, I like that. And, but it's all done, so it's, it's, it's all fantasy and demons and, and underworld demons. But then all done in a very hard-boiled noir style. Yeah. And it's... I mean, it, it is... I think it's vastly better than the Dresden Files. That's probably not hard to do. I like the Dresden Files. I think it's vastly but it's like, better. Dresden Files is really blunt, you know? Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to say, look, like, uh, I think there's like a fair amount of variance even in like Brandon Sanderson. Like, sure. I think Brandon Sanderson's one of my favorite writers. I, I have not been able to, I've been trying to read... Elantris? No, I read Elantris. Elantris Warbreaker? Is it Way of Kings? I love... Uh, Way of Kings starts off slow. Is it's, that, is that it's, with, like, soul gems? Yeah, and it's insane. It's, it takes... It's, sorry, Brandon. No, it's no, no, taken no. me a while to get through that. Three-quarters in, or, like, four-fifths into the Way of Kings, there is a fight oh, scene. Four-fifths. <laughs> Hold on. It's long. I understand. Okay. There's a fight scene in Way of Kings that puts... That puts, uh, whatever, like, the... The... The, uh... Iron Paladin versus Survivor of Hath Sin at the end of Mistborn to shame. It's unreal. It's basically like, it's basically like one dude who is like, uh, insane level of superpowers, uh, and like insane like super armor, insane super weapons against just a guy who's just a master of a spear, and like he's just like it's just utter focus, and like he's like the, the opponent's like impossible to hurt, impenetrable, and like. What are the tactics going on through the head of a guy who literally has a stick with a blade on the end, but he's really, really good? Okay. And like versus like this, and it's I, I, it's, I enjoy the book when I'm reading. It. It's like like the whole bridge sequences and like all this kind of. It's it's a diff- it's, I mean that's a it's, difficult. It's a book. it's a dense it's a dense book, and I like mostly have been reading it on planes, and so, then so there's huge gaps between when I pick it up. So uh, this is how I read it, which is I thought first of all, whenever I had the chance to actually read it. Yeah. I was very happy to read it. But I had an old school Kindle at the time, and I put it on the thing where it would read to me. So I would just, like, let it read to me. Because, like, the old Kindles actually would, they had this beta thing that would, like, oh, neat. it would read the, it was like, my name is Michael <laughs> Flores. You know, 
but that's how I got through a lot of it, and I'd be at the desk or whatever. And then if I if I if I miss something or there's a deal, I'd go back backtrack and it's reading yeah. it to me anyway. Maybe if you read it as a book on tape, it would be easier for you. No, no, no. I mean, I just need to, I just need to sit down and, and it's a dense book. I, I love just it. need to sit down and like have a weekend and, and just read finish reading it. it, it, it how how I mean, far did you get into Wheel of Time series? Never. The first like, never I've never picked it up mostly because when I was ready to pick it up, yeah. people were like, "No, don't read this book series. He's never going to finish it. It gets really slow. You should read Game of Thrones instead." So, jerks. <laughs> I, I read like the first, like the first three or four, even four. I couldn't put it down. Yeah, it's yeah, so fat. It's says. so good. But then I'm like in five or six now, and I've been in five or six for like two. But you years. Ha- you haven't gotten up to the Sanderson. No, I assume when I get to the San- I'll eventually get to the Sanderson before I die, yeah. and I'm sure they're gonna be awesome because I love yeah. Brandon's work. Yeah. Um, you know, you know his like his widow like handpicked him to finish the books based on his early work because he's so good. Yeah, she was like, "Oh, your stuff's really good. You should finish these." Did you read? Um, did you read the uh, the Aeneas books um, by? David Gemmel, his last series that his, no, his wife I've read, I've read some Gemmel, but I haven't read the. I haven't read the. They're like unrelated to any of his other books. Okay. But I mean, like his. I, I think it's among his. I've, most, I've so mostly good. read the Dross books, which I love. Really? Yeah. I think the. I think that the Rigante books are better. I haven't read them, so. And they're. I have no context. I only like the. Dross really books. good. The Dross books are also really good. <laughs> so. You know. You know. What book, I, I may. I may have even talked to you about this before. Just like because you like fight choreography so much yeah. in a book. The first book Piers Anthony ever wrote. Yeah. Before he was doing terrible Centaur Island puns or yeah. Centaur Isle yeah. or whatever his I don't, stupid. I've never read any Piers Anthony. Yeah, he's like he he. You know, he did, I mean, they were fun when I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, but get to the punchline. He wrote. He wrote. You know where's La Colombe? Is it where? La Colombe. Nope. The- uh, so it was a trilogy about people fighting it's just like a martial arts like sword and sorcery yeah. fighting series called like the battle circle I think it is if you look for it if you just look for Piers Anthony first trilogy you, you can oh my god you can download the whole thing in one volume I had to it's, tell you it's, what do you think of R.L. Stein uh, Goosebumps yeah I, I never really I mean it was always a little uh, well he didn't start writing until the 90s we yeah, yeah, grown was, by the time. yeah I was grown so, yes me and Gavin Berge went to an R.L. Stein. Um, they, oh, at Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. And like Bell, she's like one of Bell's favorite writers. Sure. So I went. <clears throat> I have never been so inspired in my life. Oh, really? He's unbelievable. So, the first part of his, and we you know we talk about this sometimes. Actually, I think this dovetails nicely into some of the other other topics we have. You're like, well, how did you get into writing? Because R.L. Stein's written 400 books or something now, and he's just like a machine. Okay? Sure. But he's a really good writer. Yeah. So like. Even though, like, he writes commercial work for children, largely. So he's, like, he came to New York, and, you know, he was, like, did a bunch of different jobs. Like, he wrote, like, softcore porn <laughs> for, like, a magazine, like, when he first... I mean, he just getting a job, right? So like, then, you know, he, he... I've done that, too. Yeah, so he wrote, like, fake interviews with celebrities. Because back then, people bought magazines. They're like, well, today you're going to write four interviews with the Beatles. Yeah. But this is years back, yeah, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's an old man. So it's the 90s, and he's an editor at Scholastic, right? And he has his dream job of just writing, like, a joke a joke magazine for kids. And he goes into some editor, some, like, higher-level exec at Scholastic for a meeting, and she kicks out a writer of teen fiction who is pissed off. Pissed off. She's, like, she's like, and I will never work with him again. His name will not, his, his name will not be spoken. Christopher Pike. <laughs> that's what our all-science says. And she's like, she's like, you could do this. Here. <laughs> 
and she just gives him this assignment to write his write a book and he's like you can do this anyone can do this and he's never written a book before let alone wow. a teen horror book and he writes it and he's like oh I wrote it number one bestseller so <laughs> the next year they asked me to write another one number one bestseller <laughs> and he's like then I kind of found my niche <laughs> And he's just so workmanlike and so inspiring. And he just like, you know, the things that we always talk about, and you talked about a little bit with Marshall, I think. Yeah. It's just about doing the work. It's like not about like, oh, well, I have to feel inspiration. I have well, to so do funny. this. I mean, we have deadlines. It's like, I, I was, like a grown up. I was up just struck by that stuff. when you were talking about like the idea of like he just he puts out a buck every year or whatever, you know. Like, yeah. Like, think about like the output of any number of people who write magic articles. Yeah. Us, yeah. And instead of writing magic articles, you wrote books. <laughs> you wrote like some pages for your novel. Yeah. <laughs> at the same rate of output, how many books would you have written over the last seventeen years? I've actually written multiple books. <laughs> uh, three books published. I mean, you published one of them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't write as much as I once did right now, and you know, I, I kind of pulled back. You know. Uh, or on like a, a non-weekly schedule at Watsi. Um, you know, we're only, you know, at one point I was at like two pieces of content a week at Star City. Right, and then right. plus I was blogging a lot. And, you know, yeah. Obviously I barely touch my blog now. But I, you know, I still write more than an article a week um, at this point. Uh, but, you know, when I was working on, when I was working on the official Miser's Guide and I was working on, you know, a project that we have, I was, I was doing between four and 8,000 words a day. Wow. And the thing that was insane to me was I would have a day sometimes where I had written 4,000 good words. Like, and I, I think you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. there's a substantial amount of variation, a variance between, yeah. like, being, my average article and the good articles that I have. Being like, in some the of them zone. are stinkers, you Being know? in the zone and just I, feeling like... I, I stepped away this one day, and I'd written 4,000 good words. And I, like, sent it to Lauren. I was just like... I, I just couldn't believe it. But I'd, like... Who writes 4,000 good words, you know? And, I mean, I'd written 8,000 words that day, so only half of them were good. But, like, I was, you know... How many books... Brandon says if you can write 500, 500 words a day, yeah. which is substantially less than I write on average. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, what, two and a half books a year? Yes. I mean, so, Lawrence large Block also yeah. says, I've read something very similar. He's like, he gets up every day, yeah. gets up at, let's say, nine, writes from ten to two yeah. every day, no matter what. And then at two, he's done. Yeah. And he has the rest of the day to himself. So this is what R.L. Stein said. They're like, well, what, you know, you, he has such a tremendous output, you know, and he's written so many number one bestsellers. And they're like, well, you know, do you ever get writer's block? And he's like, writer's block? What are you talking about? Uh, and, and, and they're like, he's like, how, if you regiment, you can't even have writer's block. He's like, I sketch all my books out ahead of time. I know what they're about. I start with the title, and then I just write an outline. I give the outline to my editor, who's my wife. If it's approved, I just fill in the outline. Like this is how this is how you write a bunch of good books, and they're like, "What's your process?" Like, well, I was taking a walk in the park, and I thought to myself, "You know what would be a funny book? <laughs> Little Shop of Hamsters." <laughs> I was like, "Well, I've read that one. That one's good." Little Shop of Hamsters. She's like, "He's like, so I just had this title, Little Shop of Hamsters." So then I was just like, "Hmm, how would I make hamsters scary?" Is this how we design decks? Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like, "How would?" I? Then he's like, "Oh, I like this title." So he has this punny title. He's like, oh, how would you make that scary? And he just thinks about how he might make it scary. And then he's just like, you know, my books are about this long. This is how many chapters. And then I submit the submission to my editor, who's my wife. You know, That's she awesome. like, uh, and he's like, well, like, oh, give me a window into my wife's criteria. She gave me an outline back last week. It said, 
at the top two words, psychotic ramblings in red. It's like, we will not write that one. So, I mean, he just has a, you know, it's like, it's probably minimizing the effort that it takes him to do this. To say he's got a formula, right? Yeah. Because I haven't read a lot of R.L. Stein, but I actually want to read his first couple of books. Was apparently before he got the formula of of writing teen horror correctly, they were too violent and sexy. Okay. So I'm going to read those ones. They were both sure. his first two were both number one bestsellers. Uh, and speaking speaking of violent and sexy, yeah, I I've vowed to finish the script for Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh. By uh, by January. Does that mean that we're we going to kickstart of that? I don't know. We're going to do something with it. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to finish it. Ooh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's going to be exciting. There's a comma there. Yeah. The <laughs> there is a There's comma. comma. There's a comma. It's, it's funny. <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's Drop Dead Gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and he says, yeah, I write 2,000 words a day. Every day. Awesome. They're not always good. You know? But, yeah, that's what Brandon says. He says, you just write, and, like, you write, 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 and some and days are good. you just keep the good ones. Yeah. He's like, that's why you, you edit. You don't have to show anyone your bad stuff. Yeah, uh, I think that's hard. When, when you're, when you're a, like, a kind of a deadline-driven magic writer like we are, you know, you put out a lot of stuff that's not your best. But you have to. Like, the, the websites have a, a never-ending hunger for content. But, I, but, but what's interesting to me is I think that that push for content has trained people to... You know, exercise. It's like it's like exercise. If you do the treadmill every day, yeah. it becomes easier to do the treadmill every day. If you're on the content treadmill every day, it's easier to, to write every day. It's easier to sit down and you know uh, produce something. Yeah, I, I have a writing schedule. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I uh, especially when I when I had you know two three columns a week that I was doing, I would write always Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then I I still take Thursdays off. Right? Yeah. Actually, it's Thursday now. We're doing a podcast, but yeah. I never write on Thursdays. Um, and then. Uh, depend, and then I sometimes write over the weekend, depending on on on. But I, I always take Thursdays off. Like, usually that's the day I sleep. It's Thursday today, right? Yeah. Um. So, all right. So we probably want to we probably want to wrap up since we're we're coming in on the hour forty minute mark. Yeah. But when you add on the Liz Fair bumpers, it's going to be like two hours. <laughs> um. So one thing I want, just listeners, if if just assuming that you have some interest in us, like. Lewis and Clarking you through the next PTQ season. Yeah, through I, PTQ season for, for, for Pro Tour uh, Journey into Next. Keeping in mind that of all the people on the internet who did who did reviews of of uh, of Innistrad, we were the only ones who were like, yeah, Delver Secrets is obviously the slam dunk best one. And then we just like had the actual Delver deck that other people had two months later. <laughs> Up on a blog post that day. I'm saying, but like, but but, yeah. but it's not just, but it's not just decklist. It's also like operations, and it's like right. preparation, and like you know, and we'll bring Steve Satan in on on some of these. Steve's won a bunch of PTQs. Yeah, Steve, you won PTQs. Steve, I, won. I mean, I, I think Steve is. It's interesting. I feel like Steve could win a lot more PTQs if, if he, he tried. If he tried harder. I mean, you know, Steve's a Steve's a, a busy professional these days, but. Uh, so, like, if there's stuff that you really, like, if you think that you give us some feedback as to, like, what you want and how we could help you. I think, like in the comments? Yeah, like in the comments or you can just send us an email or a Twitter. I don't really care. Email? Yeah. We don't even have a public email address. I mean, my email's not hard to find. You can find my email through the bottom of my column. Really? You can, well, you can't find no, my no, email, no, no, no. but you can email me well, through see, a form. I actually want to ask you about that. I get, like... Forty oh, no. Rolex watch offers a day to the email. Yeah, there's some, there's some weird. Yeah, there's some weird from Russia. There was some weird spam thing going on for a while. But I, I think still they, get it. Oh, I think they fixed it. But. I don't even have a weekly anymore, and I do <laughs> <laughs> constantly. 
So, but anyway, I'm I'm really inter- I'm just really interested in this and like just like trying to do a season of a slightly more stru- structured. So, what about if we make recommendations on what they should play? We can talk about recommendations about what they should play, and then we could also just like talk about you know best practices. Okay. You know. Um. Maybe bring some people in as guests to play in PTQs and talk about, you know, what their experience right. is like. I will, I will leave us with one thing, then. Okay. First PTQ I ever won. It's the third PTQ I ever played. I won, I won the third PTQ I ever played in. Uh, lost, I mean, I didn't actually win. I lost to Eric Lauer in the finals, but it was a two-slotter. Sure, I remember that. Um, yeah, you were, the, you were the TO. I was. It was a sick tournament. Uh, oh, yeah, the topic was insane, right? Like, Trey Van Cleve played back then, you know? Um, so, uh, this is how I won. Top four match, back against the wall. Uh, I looked at my stack, I looked at my sideboard, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to try to get explosively lucky. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> my opening hand was unbeatable, and I crushed him. <laughs> That's how I literally said, like, you know. Was it sealed or something? No, it was, he was, so it was, it was block. Oh, right, right, right. And he had, and I won game one, I got him, like, really low in game two, and then he got, like, circle red, circle black, and there was no... There's no cards to kill Circle Red and Circle Black. In other the Red than, Black deck? In the Red Black deck, other than Dystopia, and he was playing an Outpost deck. Yeah. So there's just no outs. Yeah. Right? So I was just like, you know, it's just, I won game one easily. He didn't have Circle Red and Circle Black in the yeah, second yeah, game one. Yeah. So I'm going to game three, and I'm like, if this game goes like six turns, I probably can't win. Right? <laughs> so I just like took all of my cards out that for like any game that would go longer than sure. like a few turns. So I'm just like, I'm just going to make my deck as fast as possible and hope to mana screw him. And then my opening hand had like a swamp, a ritual, an ice, like three lands, a swamp, a ritual, an ice quake, and a necropose. And I'm just like, <laughs> keep. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know. I, I like I ritualed out a knight on the first turn or something, then like blew up his first land, then played necro, and then just like necroed so that really? I always had so I always had land destruction. So like, cause I, I had a ritual. Don't you, wanna, you don't want a necro first turn? Um, I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't have had enough to do with my. Like, I, sure, went, sure. I think I burned my my ritual to get the knight out. Sure. Because like. His deck was like really bad against against knight, right? Like right. he like he had he would need to get like like the cat whatever the skull catapult is that the name of it, and then a Kjeldur and outpost in order to make a guy to throw at the the knight because like oh, okay. in block there's no wrath. Yeah, 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 there's only plow, and you can't plow at night. Yeah, so I'm yeah, just like, remember my plan is to kill him really fast. But when we say block, we're talking about ice, ice age block. block. So, <laughs> so, so I was just like, you know, from the ice age. Yeah. So I, was, I think I think it was something like, like swamp ritual night, like a demonic consultation for a ritual of, for oh, another okay. ritual. Yeah. Then like he played his thawing glaciers, and I'm like second turn. Like land ritual ice quake your land hit you for two, which means it's already over, right? Right. And the third time, like land necropotence, this and then like doesn't sound that. Terrible. Didn't you have disc? Oh no, there was no. No, disc. there's no disc. Oh my god! I got him to two in game two, and then he just like circle red, circle black me, and I'm just like, <laughs> and you couldn't non limb overwhelm him. How do you overwhelm like a dude with thawing glaciers? His dick had thawing glaciers, Brian. <laughs> he just draw two cards a turn, and one of them's always a land. Uh. <laughs> There's no out yeah, to that yeah, in block. Like I got him in two. I, just, I thought I was just gonna win right there. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like, oh. But he's just like, you know, kill your knight. Oh no, he had. What is it like? Ray of command. So I was like, I think I attacked him for the kill, and he like ray of command, and oh, one of my knights blocked the other that's knight. That's awesome. And then I'm like, oh crap. I, he took like my guy who has naturally has first strike, blocked my my knight of whatever was the yeah. Stromgold, and then chose not to regenerate him. Right. So then they both died. Oh, that's so awesome. then I'm just gonna bolt him out. He's like circle black, uh, circle red, and I was just like. 
uh, yeah, no outs. <laughs> <laughs> Literal zero outs. Um, yeah, so I just took out every card that was good in, the, in, the, in my deck that was good in the mid in the mid game, and then just like. So you're by any means necessary. Kind of? I mean, like I told you, my draw it was like swamp ritual night. <laughs> like, like consult for another ritual. Like I, it's so, so like, funny that you talk play. about having a bad. Like, I mean, yeah. just a bad matchup in a deck that gets to play with dark ritual and ridiculous card advantage engines. But he also had ridiculous card advantage engines, right? Do you, do you, do you really think his deck had, Glaciers holds up? Oh, he had, did he have he had, attacks? Or he, no? had, he had Browse. Oh, okay. Zurin Orb. Like, Glacial, great Glacial Crevasses. Okay. Like, um, Thawing Glaciers, Glacial Crevasses, Browse is pretty hard we, to break we, through. We may not be able to look stuff up, but people listening to the yeah, podcast we'll right have now to. are like... Like, he had like... So, I mean... I don't know. I played against blue-white decks like five times, yeah. and I never lost to one in the yeah. tournament. But <laughs> when you're playing for a slot and you yeah, just yeah. No, lost no, know, in a game that you put your point to two, you and get kind of worried. Just, you just lost in a spot where you're like, I, I'm definitely going to win. I, yeah, you lost in a spot where you're like, I can't win if he does that again. You're like, how about my opponent's I have no on two? To that. I, my opponent's on two. I have two guys. <laughs> <laughs> he has no guys. I attack with both, and he's like, wait one moment. Uh. <laughs> Brave command block. Not going to regenerate. <laughs> like, okay. And then you lost the hour in the finals. We played one game, right? But we were both, like, super conservative. We were, we were just like, oh, let's put the money. Let's put the blah, blah, blah. So we played for one pack of Italian Dark. <laughs> so, like, we split everything except for one pack of Italian Dark. The winner got that. that was... And then nominally got to be the champion. But remember, Lauer's deck was the anti-my deck? Yeah. So he... <laughs> He had like I'm the only dude in the tournament playing Snow Covered Swamp, and he had the card that was only good against Snow Covered yeah, Swamp. Yeah, Snow Covered Swamp walk. Yeah, and he had the guys that did a point of damage to like you could sack him to do a point of damage. To- the other thing is he had the guys that if they're blocking or blocked by this guy, you can't regenerate. Yeah, and my deck was all <laughs> regenerators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, his, his deck was sweet. I mean, that was like so he won that that weekend. He won that, four events won, in one day. He won the Jazam Jin tournament in the morning. Yeah, he won. The PTQ. And he won the sealed deck final. And then he won the sealed deck final. So for $500, right? Yeah, for yeah. for $1,000. For $1, yeah. yeah, so, Pretty yeah, it was a good day for him. Yeah, yeah. And you guys go to the pro store for the first time, and now he's the lead developer of Magic. Yeah, and, you know, another awesome set. Have you, have you not played Theros Limited? I have not. You should. You should do it tonight. Yeah? Yeah. All fun. right. An hour 44 in. Green is really good. Thanks, Canada.